When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Pit Pass Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. Do you know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. This is Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. Hello again, everybody. It's Scott Casper with Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Alongside me, Denny Stevenson. A little bit of a different show on this particular day. But we join with our friends at Absurd After Party and the star of that show, Denny Stevenson. <laughs> Denny, it's a, it's a different weekend. I mean, There's a whole vibe here, a big motocross vibe, and a lot of it is because of, um, of our, our guest star, obviously, is uh, Justin Brayton. Of course, uh, he's, he's made a living at this sport that we all love so well, but he does it so well, and he is sitting by your side. And uh, Denny, if you would, I'm just going to really kind of pass the mic to you because quite frankly you know him better than most and quite frankly you're highly respected in our sport and also now in the broadcast business so big big shout out to you denny how are you i appreciate it i appreciate it thank you very much uh yeah i just want to give another shout out to justin brayton for having us all here this is outstanding uh, i ran into justin at the minneapolis supercross with my buddy chad and we were on our way out at the end of the night and we we're in the pits and justin kind of waved me over and said hey how you doing we hugged each other and I said, hey, well, I got this great event going on at Winterset, you know, we did last year with Cody and, and uh, Tony and everybody, and we'd love to have you. Would you be, be a part of it you know, with Damon and, and Swap? And, uh, and I said, absolutely. You know, as, Ch- as, as Justin mentioned earlier, there's no better deal than shooting stories of, of, of the olden days and even of the future days, like you said. So, um, Justin, thank you for having me. Swap, welcome. I haven't seen you forever. I, I, you need to have it shaved in a while, I see. Since the last time I've seen you. That, that was Millville, I think, right? Yep. So will we see you again at Millville? Sure. Bring a backpack this time, though. I will. I got a brand new one yeah. for my daughter. So, Justin, uh, let's just jump some some stories, man. Let's go to the first time I, we met. Um, Ida Grove. I don't think that's around any longer, obviously. No, I don't think so, no. It was a night track. Uh, my friend, Ricky Draper, uh, invited me out to, to practice that night. I think you and I were still debating what year it was exactly. Yeah, and, I'm not exactly sure. And what if I was uh, riding a Honda or a Cowie? I'm not sure. It was, yeah, it was, it was in the yeah. fall, early fall. Yeah. And I know you were getting ready for the U.S. Open at the time because U.S. Open was in October. So I think it was September-ish because I know I was in school. So I'll never forget the day I got a phone call uh, the night before you were going there from the track owners at Ida Grove. And um, they said, hey, Denny's going to be here tomorrow, Denny Stevenson. I was like, oh, no way. So 
first thing I talked to my parents, I'm like, hey, I've got to skip school tomorrow. I have to go ride or, or see Denny ride. So that's how it all started. So I, I skipped school that day to uh, to come ride with you. Yeah. And so uh, I'm just ripping a moto around the track, doing like a 20 lap or something. And uh, I'd seen Justin uh, pulling in the pits and just a pickup and, and his bike in the back, unloaded it. And um, he pulled in behind me. And I think I ran, I would think I went even more laps. I, I I wanted to, I couldn't believe like this kid was chasing me down. Like he was, he was faster than I was. He was smoother than I was. And I'm like, who the is this kid? <laughs> and we're the only ones there. So there, you came with Draper. With Ricky. I was just Ricky. So there's like, there's three of us on, on the, the track. track. So it was like, we, it was easy yeah. to find each other and, 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 yeah. and, the, and the spot each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the race or after that practice session, I remember we sat down in the back of your tailgate and uh, yeah. just like, who the hell are you kid? you like, <laughs> you rip. And yeah. uh, my point is, is obviously, Justin uh, showed incredible skill, incredible talent, incredible hum- humility. Uh, and that first day I met you, and it, it's a, it's a moment I'll, I've always cherished. Yeah, same here. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, you've been one of my one of my heroes for the longest time, being from the Midwest, and um, like you and Chad, Chad being from the same town I grew up in in Iowa, and you being from Omaha. Like you guys are the ones who kind of paved the way for me to see that it is possible. And for all you kids out there, a lot of times being from where we are, it snows all winter and, and it doesn't seem that possible because so many guys are, are from the West Coast or from Florida. And these two guys paved the way for me. So I knew if I could get a chance to to see you ride or, or uh, maybe jump in behind you to kind of see like, hey, is he superhuman or am I okay at this? So, um, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think cool. I think uh, we always gauge ourselves. I mean, as you race a moto, it, it, in everything you do, you're competitive. I don't care what it is. If, you yeah. know, the first guy to eat your dinner, the first one to go grab the mail, the first one to grab the remote. You know, I mean, we grew up that way, and uh, I grew up the same way with you know riding guys. And uh, when I was a kid, and, and you go out and, and you, you you do you, you, these sometimes rice racers are larger than life. The personalities are larger than life. That their compliments compliments are so huge. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to believe in yourself and, and maybe extend yourself out there beyond your comfort level, which you did that night. You came out there just to have some fun. And, yeah. you know, and uh, I think that that really, you know, it puts you on the map with me because I remember telling people about you. Like, yeah, you got to yeah. see this Jesuit break kid yeah. as, as an and animal. Even, even before that. So obviously I'd watch races on TV, but I always tell people like guys like Denny, uh, even Chad, because he was a little bit older than me, so I didn't get to see him ride around the area that much. And and Damon, they seem like cartoon characters because the only time you see them is on TV. So you don't think that it's real or that you could go that fast. So when I got, you know, like I said, I was in high school. I was maybe a junior or senior in high school. And once you can start to ride or see guys like that, and that's the advantage that some some other kids have now is is they're all training facility kids or or get to ride with faster guys. Um, then you can kind of see the level and say, you know what, these guys aren't superhuman and um, maybe I can be that guy one day. So that's kind of how it was for, for the guys I'm sitting next to. Maybe it is realistic because Chad growing up, like I said, in the same town a couple miles away and, uh, and Denny being from the Midwest, it was, it's pretty cool. It's super special for me to have these guys here sitting in between these guys and having Damon here. Um, man, it's just super cool because they're my heroes. They're the guys that, like I said, paved the way. And uh, for me to know it was possible being from the Midwest. And I think that, uh, like you said, with you, I think that next November, October was Des Moines Arena Cross. Yep. Which was Damon's debut in Arena Cross that year with us, yeah. um, with the season. What, what, year, what year was that, Damon? Then your first year. I think it was, 01. I think, was it? So Damon was thinking. Was the, 
because we started like in 2000 and then finished, finished in it was it was 2000 2001 then I think so, 2000 yeah. 2001 and that's what we we're thinking and swap you were racing that same night as well no were you not were you racing at that point i don't know if i was racing or not the next year then you came back the next year the next year but and filleted us yep yeah yeah that's just i mean that's all crazy or this morning yeah or even you know small but he was done buddy i think he was in supercross and then came, came back. back. Yeah. So kind of crazy story. We'll talk about that when Damien came back in my first race, but fast forward a little bit, what Chad was talking about. So when Chad, it was kind of your comeback, yeah. right? Back to, back to arena cross and uh, me and Chad being the hometown guys, it was my second year racing arena cross. And then buddy Antonez, who was the, I think at the time he was probably four time champ. Did he come back and win another one? No, no, I don't think. Once no. he left for Supercross, he was okay, gone. Okay, so he was five-time champ, went to Supercross, was pretty successful, came back, and uh, Chad was was going super fast, so obviously hometown crowd, and then myself. Well, Chad Holshots the first heat race of the night. Uh, I'm second, Budman's third, and... Oh, God, I remembered that. Yeah, I think I was behind yeah. you. I think I was in fourth, and, and, and Bud you guys Man killed each other. Me. Yeah, Budman passed me, and I was like... Here's my chance. He's the champ. Like I, I gotta, I gotta do this. So I pass him back. Well, the very next turn, uh, Chad was going outside. I was going inside. Well, Budman went even further inside. T-boned me into Chad, and me and Chad hit helmets and knocked Chad out and knocked right me down. Bike. And Budman goes on to win the race. Yeah, <laughs> I remember him getting booed out of there that night, though. So, oh, you want to talk about getting yeah. booed? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 1994, I think it was, I think. Oh, I don't know. 93? I don't know. I had raced arena cross a handful of times. And whenever it came close to home, I did something stupid. I went to racing Lincoln one year. I, I, I planned on racing Lincoln arena cross Friday night, get on a flight Saturday morning to San Diego to race a supercross. And Sugi told me, don't do it. Don't, that's a bad idea. And I'm like, I'm doing it. So how often do I have to get a home race in your home city? And I told everybody at the opening ceremonies, I'm here for one night to kick everybody's ass, and I'm leaving. And I proceeded to hit the wall, crash, and broke my hand. <laughs> <laughs> so that didn't go well. And then What's the next the year, say about that? Uh, by, well, my dad's at the races, you know, when he has to t- with, at, in, this, with the, in the pits, and he, I have to call him. That's the worst call oh, I've yeah, ever had to make. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that did not go over well. Mm. And then the next year, I came back to did Arena Cross again at Des Moines. And I had, uh, I rode two laps of, of 125 practice. My dad was warming up my 250 and I went over the bars and broke my leg. <laughs> and so frustrating, obviously everything across was, had been frustrating for me at that point. Yeah. And so the next year I came back again to Des Moines and I had led the entire 125 main. And on the last lap, I cased the catapult. Chad attempted to go around me in the corner after on the last lap. And I just like, no freaking way you're going to make this pass. Yeah, you're silly. You know, how long have we been friends? <laughs> and I punted him over the berm. And uh, you, like you said, I've never heard a place yell, be so viciously mean. <laughs> I was booed and I was like, just said, you know, and I'm on the podium and Robbie Floyd has had interviewed Chad and Chad just kind of said, hey, it's racing. No, we've been friends a long time. And, you know, basically, and then they got to me and they just, re- you know, were throwing beer cups out of the stands and everything. <laughs> And I, and I said, hey, if, if, if my buddy Chad doesn't have a problem with it, then you guys can just all come. <laughs> that went we've over got, well. Yeah, we've got some loyal went fans well. here in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, uh, it's been a, a great career with you, uh, you, a brief one with you, a very long one with, with Chad, and an even longer one with, with Damon. The first race I raced with Damon, I was 11 years old at Ponca City NMA. It was my very first race. Damon was eight. A factory Yamaha rider. I was just, you know, first time our family's down there. Um, 
And that was my first introduction to him. I remember sitting on the start line with you yep. for our final. It was yesterday. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff I don't remember, but. It's funny the things to remember. Yep. And I had, we both had won our qualifiers, you know, our, 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 for the finals. We, we won, were riding Cowie, right? That was, it was right. my Yamaha. It was my first year. Right. Okay. Yep. And we had both won our, our, you know, back then you had to run your qualifiers. You go into the main. We both won the main events with one point each. And then whoever won was going to win. Right. And I was losing my mind. I was like, man, I've never been in this kind of pressure. I'm not like sweating bullets on the start line. And my dad's over talking to you and your mechanic or your dad. Yeah, see, I didn't think that about you, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that, at that time, yeah. I was like what you're talking about. That's how yeah, I Yeah, my dad said, man, he's so laid back. He just doesn't tell me how he was practicing with Glover at Gainesville this last week and stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, that's not helping me, Dad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, then our careers uh, kind of intertwined a little bit uh, through the years. Um, I remember going to Florida Winter Olympics. I remember shooting water bling shots, uh, slingshots. Oh, God. Yeah. Into the highway. You were with yeah. us, too. Yeah, I was with you guys, too. Yeah. I mean, so that's the What year did all you guys turn pro? My first My, year was. Oh, telling, well, mine was telling of 88. 88. So I rode the last two nationals in 88 and then obviously full yeah. season in 89. <clears throat> mine was 89. Gotcha. How did you do your first national? Uh, let's see. First one was Millville. I got 635 or something was your number. 638. Damn, that was close. Yeah, yeah. And, Damn, I uh, pay attention to sport way too much. <laughs> Millville, I think I got fourth. And then Washougal, it was like ninth or tenth. I didn't do that well. And then you turn I turned pro in 87 was my first national. Oh, so all the same. Yeah. Really within a couple of years. Same area. How'd your first national go? My first national was at Millville. And I thought, man, that's when the DMC, uh, DMC had that Kawasaki Team Green, was like with the Bader Bene and Talon Bowler, Tyson Boland. And that was kind of the Team Green kid that they brought up. So I went up there and we did practice on the press day and stuff. My lap times were like right with those guys. I could run with any of them. So I'm thinking, man, no problem. Top 15 this day. I didn't qualify. <laughs> I crashed in the heat race, crashed in the last chance qualifier and watched the race with my buddies. But my second national was San Antonio when it was a full mutter, 110 degrees. And my dad is an old drag racer, so he's very attentive of, of, of the starting techniques and things, the lines. We're walking into the, to park your bike, or not park your bike, get on the line, everybody walked on the outside line and packed, packed the line down. And my dad's like, hey, it's, it's, the middle's a swamp. The outside line's packed. I know it's 40th gate. What do you think? I'm like, well, let's give her a go. What do we got to lose here? And I whole shot my first moto, and then I end up crashing and tipping over a corner and end up getting a fifth. So that was my first national. Then the second moto, I was it was 120 degrees. I was I barely made it to the second moto. I was cramping so bad. And probably some of these people, it seemed like everybody would usually do the tail end of the nationals because I know for me when I turned 16 would have been in July, and then we had Loretta's. Yeah. Right after Loretta's, then you would go and run the last two nationals that was left, you know, for the season. So I think a lot of guys kind of did that. That was like even similar your today. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do the, now it's the last three. Okay. So the Loretta's and then there's usually three nationals. And it used to always be Millville was the third to the last one. So being from here, we'd always go to Millville like, all right, who's new amateurs coming up? And you said yours was first one was at yeah. Millville. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now just, it's no longer that way. Millville's earlier. But, but now you know you can I just read this, uh you can ride like three or four nationals and still ride Loretta's, like before you ride Loretta's. Oh really? Like they could race uh, they could be know. a couple of amateur kids could have raced it today. And still race Loretta's, which was kind of that way when I raced. You could still yeah. ride some nationals and stuff. And I, I don't. I think they changed that to try and give the kids some more experience. Yeah. So that way it's not such a shock. Yeah, I didn't know that. New rules. Hey, keep up. Oh, always. I don't know. I, I raced Rex had it was on their website. So Chad, tell us about today. Uh, today I got in a lot of motos or a lot of practice. Feeling a little sore. <laughs> you look. You look like you're getting sore by the minute sitting here. Yeah, it's. Uh, it was. It was good. I haven't ridden in quite a while, so. 
Is that rigor mortis that sets in? Yeah. That's what I say. <laughs> is rigor mortis the right word, though, really? Yeah, I mean, you look good, dude. Stiff. Yeah. You look it's, good. It's, it's, it was good. We're talking with Chad Swap Pedersen. It's Justin Brayton shootout weekend here on Pit Pass and also on, of course, the uh, seriously absurd after party uh, hosted by Danny Stevenson and company. But um, this is a weekend where we celebrate motor, motorcycle racing. I mean, this is not just a culture. This is how we live. Damon Bradshaw has been a part of it for how many years, Damon? Last year was first year. Said no, no. I'm, <laughs> oh, I thought you told me for life. I mean, how long have you been involved in motorcycle racing? See, I started racing when I was four. You're you started at four, yep, and now four. you're twenty eight. Close, close. I had a couple more. All right, <laughs> 46, yeah, or 46. What is it? What is the? What does it look like as far as the timeline for today's modern racer? I mean, football players three and a half, four years in the NFL. Major League Baseball, perhaps a little bit longer. Basketball, even longer. But what is the life expectancy of the average motorcycle racer? Because if you look at guys like Kenny Roxon, you know, he came back so quickly from what many saw as a career-ending injury. But now you've got guys like Justin Brayton. I mean, you've said it on our show on Pit Pass. You said that this will be your last year. Is that right? Or next year is your last year? Um. Well, I've got all my contracts go through 2020, so through next year, and then I'll just reassess. I'm not quite ready to say I'm done next year, but um, obviously I'm not getting any younger. I'm 35. I'll be 36 next year, and that'll be my my 10th year in the 450 class, and um, we'll just see. I mean uh, – which is longer than the most. I mean, it was pretty rare. I think Warrior was one of the only ones ever hit 30, and that was pretty outlandish, you know, and what you, Chad, have done. Mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, Damon, you know the pressure of it, and, you know, with your career, and it, is it the – I think that's it, the part that's helped me, though, because I've never been, like – I never really won any amateur titles. I've never won a Supercross till last year. So, for you guys, like you were top amateur, Chad was the best in the nation at, at – one time, I, I still hear stories about Chad on, on, on 80s, how he's ripping. And Damon had the pressure probably like none of us have ever felt. So I think that's what gets people out of our sport. I think okay, Damon right. could explain it better than any of us. But I've never really had that pressure, so I've slowly worked my way in. And I, I say it a lot, but I may be one of the only guys that has truly showed up to a race and not being good enough to qualify. And then the next year show up and barely qualify. And then the next year, get top 15. Then the next year, get top 10, like, and then be a top five guy. And then be, at one point, uh, a few years back on on Honda, I was in title contention in 2012 and 2014. So then I started to feel that pressure. And now I can relate. When I go to Australia and Europe, like, I have to win. It's no holds bar, have to win. And that's on such a small scale. But for Damon and, and these guys to feel that pressure, I wouldn't be racing today if I felt that pressure for that long. So um, I think I've had fun with it. And I've been luckily had teams and people that have believed in me that have let me progress into the guy that I've become. But um, Damon, I think that's probably why you, oh, you know, sure. we're done pretty sure. early. I mean, it, it uh, you, you really can't put the pressure into, into words. And for me, it wasn't sponsors or it wasn't Omaha or parents or anything that put the pressure once I turned professional it was pretty much myself because it was that expectation like you said going to Australia now that you've 
been successful there, you don't want to be any less than that. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, you had posted something in my, my uh, first Supercross win was in actually Osaka, Japan. Oops. And I think I was 16. Yeah. And, um, and 16 was, years old. Imagine that. 250 Supercross, which was, is equivalent to 450 today. Right. A 16 year old kid jumping out there and beating rocks and, and you know, and, and those guys. It, it's impossible. It wouldn't happen. And yet you laid it down. Well, I mean, I was on the, on the podium with Ricky Johnson and, throughout that main event the, the track was hard to pass on it was a little bit muddy a little bit ruddy and uh i don't know ricky probably ran into me three times and, and one of the times the handlebar i was in the berm and he came in and his handlebar hit me in the top of the head and um but anyway standing on the podium it's kind of where this whole pressure thing really obviously started building we're standing on the podium and he goes i won't say exactly what he said but basically you've made a mistake now like, what do you mean? He goes, well, because now when you don't win, everybody's going to want to know what happened. And that was the truth. From that day forward, it didn't matter whether it was second, third or 20th. It was what happened. It just couldn't be that. You showed too much too soon almost. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you'd had, I mean, I loved your career. I mean, I'm a huge fan of yours. Been, like I said, I, I've never seen someone ride with such anger and passion on, on a bike. You know, I mean, you would, you could literally put that thing anywhere you wanted anytime. And I remember well, I think it was your first Supercross, right? Miami. Um, I was on Suzuki. I was on a Kawasaki. Would have been 88, right? Uh, 89. 89. And I'd gone down and stayed with Ronnie Tishner because I was good friends with him. And we'd done press day and stuff. And the track was a, what could you call, explain that? A sponge? Yep. I mean, it was yeah, literally, exactly. like you could stand one, on a tabletop and go this way and the track would go boop, 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 boop. All it was the way down the start. So it weird. Like it was like had air pockets in it and stuff. And then it had white sand in the, in the rhythm sections. And Damon... Uh, I, I don't know how many times. How many times did you crash? I mean, you won, right? I, yeah, I think you passed I, me three times. I think. Yeah, I think I fell four times. Four times. I mean, it, it just and he was just he was doing jumping. I still won. I mean, he was jumping his on off section that no one would do, and you can make up four seconds in a lap by doing it. Was it was huge. Yeah. That's yeah, huge. and then he crash, and I'd pass him, and he'd come falling by me again, <laughs> and uh, it was just I, I know it's like to be seen when you're just like you're kind of just in awe of, of your own competitor. Like did I, did he just really just do that to me? And everyone else, you know, on the track at his first Supercross at 16, anyone 25, um, and then uh, let's make it a little lighter. Let's, let's talk. How about a couple of chicken stories? I heard you didn't really launch your bike at him in Japan. And uh, there are so many, and you know, I, I look back on some. And of the chicken's one of my good friends, best friends growing up and stuff. And uh, you know, and I, I wasn't friends with anybody, and it wasn't really because of. I don't know. That was my motivation. It was like you guys were talking, you being friends and racing and running into one another. My thing was, is if I wasn't friends with them, I knew how they were going to treat me on the racetrack. But if we were friends or buddies or whatever, then I kind of didn't really know. Like if you're going into a corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, Budman used to do that to me all the time. I'm like, oh, I think friends we're friends. And he knocked me down. <laughs> so and that, was just, that was just my motivation. of, of And, you know, I was only close with just a couple of riders, but um it's different, obviously, nowadays, and not that. Uh, yeah, could you imagine training with, uh, you know, like Marvin and, and Coop do? Yeah, and that I, stuff? I wonder about. You know, I wonder about that. But obviously, they they, they, they make it work. They can yeah. still they can still get out there and race hard against one another. And um, you know, and it, again, the back to the the chicken stories is I see some of those videos and I go, man, that was it was bad. You know, it was really bad. And but what I was telling these guys is, you don't realize what was going on prior to those wrecks and what I was dealing with or what chicken was dealing with. And then it, it, it does come out in anger. And sometimes it's probably could battle. And after the race, we could talk about it. It was fine, but it was just 99% of everybody else. It wasn't like that. And that is the sport. I mean, that is, uh, it's how people deal, 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 
pressure handle the the, the, the camaraderie that even the briars like you just and i were talking earlier I, I was a i think the biggest problem i had is i was a jersey watcher almost i was like who oh god am i racing with bail i don't want to mess up bail you know and uh I think that you know, obviously, you can't race that way. You know, everybody's got to be an enemy, like you said. Not not necessarily an enemy, but that no one's better than you. You're out there. You already earned your spot. And I, I feel like that it's easier, or at least it was for me, until you started winning those expectations because you're young. You're coming in, and then all of these guys that have been there for years, they really have everything to lose. You have nothing to lose, everything to gain. So for me, it was like riding yeah. the ragged edge because you just felt like that. If you crashed, well, no big deal. But if you won, it was great. But there was no championships that followed that. Damon Bradshaw, our guest here on this uh, Justin Brayton weekend. We're going to take a quick timeout on the uh, combined effort this weekend with Absurd After Party and, of course, Pit. So do me a favor, stand by. We'll be back after the short timeout. Stay tuned. <laughs> This is Tim Ferry, hero of Motocross Nation, Team USA, and you're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard-packed supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions, and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes. The newest addition is the V-Line Do-All VRM340, a heavy-duty off-road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new Slow Rebound Tacky Compound for extremely technical environments. It's V-Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco off-road. Racers say when using a Tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V-Rubber. Hey, Moto fans, we do our best to keep you in touch with what we're doing through our website, iHeartRadio, Facebook, Twitter, and more. Well, now you can listen to Pit Pass Radio on your handheld device anytime with the all-new Pit Pass app for Android or iPhones. Go to your app store now and download the new app, Pit Pass, at no charge. Yes, we have an app for that. It's the all-new Pit Pass app. Get it today. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. Passionate about riding motorcycles off-road and on? Well, visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa, and see the full line of 2017 Yamaha Dual Sports. From the simple-to-ride electric start TW200 to the nimble, lightweight XT250 to the racing-to-ride performance of the WR250R, Yamaha has your ride. Visit Hickam Power Sports in Grimes, Iowa today. Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Hickam Power Sports in Grimes. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Don't drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the DeLeon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The DeLeons will offer you one-on-one -on -one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans. He'll make your dreams a reality. Call the DeLeons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack DeLeon Construction. 
serving Iowa since 1946. Hi, this is Henry Wild, flat track and road racer. You're listening to Pit Pass Moto Racing Weekly. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is uh, Pit Pass on the Road with Absurd After Party, Denny Stevenson, Justin Braden, Damon Bradshaw, Chad Swap. Pedersen, a former co-host of this very show, Cody Gilmore in the house, Matt Byton, Mark Bennell, Tony Wink. I do want to thank uh, Mark Bennell and Pole Position Raceway for hosting at the last minute. Uh, our caterers have done a remarkable job of moving everything up here and, of course, uh, some great contests and things like that. But it's always fun to be able to partner with somebody like Denny Stevenson. Denny, prior to the break, you guys are just talking about aging within the sport. There was one particular night, and I was co-announcing a Vets Auditorium, and I got to see somebody I just absolutely loved, and it's Justin Brayton. I was all geared up for it. He was geared up for it. The fans were geared up for it, and then came two broken legs, and I could not wait till the night was over until I got to the hospital and be able to see you. They turned me away at the door. They said, are you related? I said, look at me, really? Seriously? Come on. But um, the news was that, of course, you had a couple injuries that you had to take care of. Can you describe that night from the time you hit the throttle until the time you hit the track? Yeah, I remember like it, it was just yesterday. Um, so rewinding a little bit, I had been in arena cross for, uh, I believe this was going into my third season. I'd gotten fourth in the championship the year before, and I missed a few races due to injury again. But uh, I had just signed with the team. It was my first ride, like paying job where I got a salary. And and uh, it was on Motor World Suzuki at the time. And so I was coming in as what I thought was potentially the favorite or or a guy who could potentially win the championship. The first round was in Des Moines. So I was extra excited. Like, I'm going to go win this arena cross in Des Moines. I'm going to be the points leader leaving here. Like, I had all these big plans. And that night in particular, there was a – we would go – basically the full length of the stadium. And I remember we were doing like a triple, triple, double or something. And I was like, man, I think I could quad that. And it was when quads weren't really that popular. Now we do quads the third lap of practice. But then it was, I think I could quad that. And it was going to be so much faster. And in arena cross, if you could do something like that, you would just be gone. So I went out and I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, my friend Mark that's here tonight, I don't know exactly where he's sitting. I think he's in the back, but uh, I remember sitting in the stands with him and my parents like, hey, I'm going to jump that this next practice. I'm going to jump it. And I did it and everything was great. Uh, I think a couple people ended up jumping it. Um, but that night in the main event, I come around, I was passing a guy, for, uh, Josh DeMuth, who we all know well in arena cross, I was passing him for second. And I drug pegs up the lip, cased it over the bars. And I knew right away I broke my leg. And um, yeah, that, that was a rough go. Cause like I said, I just signed a contract um, I was on my way, what I felt like to possibly making it a career. And right then and there, first round in Des Moines, uh, just, uh, all my dreams felt like they were shattered. And in the, in the hospital that night, uh, the doctor told me that from my knee down was powder. And, and he came in and said, well, have you ever thought about doing anything else? And, and I was like, not really. I'm, I think I was 20 years old at the time or something like that. And, he said, well, you probably never ride a bike again and, and you're going to have to learn how to walk and, and all these crazy things. And and then we said, well, let's see the x-ray. And my stepdad looked at the x-ray and he was like, I don't think it's as bad as what he's saying. Let's get out of here. So we basically left and called the doctor back home in Fort Dodge, who we knew that was pretty good. And and um, 
ended up it, it's obviously fine and now we look back hindsight 2020 and and but i was out that whole season the, the whole year and i'd signed a two-year contract with motorworld and the next year was a guaranteed supercross contract so i had that to look forward to but yeah i'm sure you guys all have had that happen before where you just feel like everything's going so good and then it's not right that's sports that's life i guess uh but yeah that, that night was um it just doesn't hurt as bad in life normally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Broken bones. But rewinding, so rewinding back to 2000 or 2001, Vets Auditorium totally changed my life that night. And that was when Damon was coming back and um, and Denny was there. So a couple of quick stories about that year. Um, I believe I was a senior in high school, a junior or senior. And, um, did you graduate high school? I did, yes. Well done. Public, public nice. schools all the I way did through. Too. <laughs> Homeschooling was not an option, and going south to ride was not an option. Yeah, my mom, it's all my, so, my mom asked. Yeah. Graduate high school. Yeah, yeah. So uh, obviously, Vets Auditorium, first round of Arena Cross. Hey, I'm some kid from from Fort Dodge, Iowa, getting bikes from Storm Lake Honda, and uh, let's go race this Arena Cross that's in town. And I remember there was like 150 or 200 riders. It was busy. I mean, it was my kid. It was, it was my kid series yeah, at the time, right? And my yeah. kid knew how to promote Arena Cross. Mm -hmm. He, so he did it well. Guys like Denny, who laundry list of accomplishments. You have Buddy Antones, who's. I remember looking at Buddy, and just being so intimidated with this bald head and like just <laughs> just a Bruce Willis <laughs> diehard look. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's Buddy Antones. And uh, Chad, you even, even though he was like five six. I didn't know. I didn't know. You race weren't that racing that year. And then you had this guy, Damon Bradshaw, who I watched on TV. And once again, God, who I thought yeah. was a cartoon character, like not even a real guy. He's just this guy that wins races and and, and had retired and decided to come back. That yeah, year, right? retired yeah. and, he's, and he's coming back and only 15 people make the main event. So I'm thinking for sure, I'm not going to make the main event. Maybe I'll just make the night show and I'll be on the starting gate in front of all my all my family. Right. And friends from high school are like, oh, check him out. He's down there. So I go out for practice. Somehow I get in the practice with you guys. Like I'm in the practice with the good guys. And I come up behind Denny. I'll never forget it. I was going through the whoops, and there's a right-hand turn after the whoops. I go through the whoops, what I thought was pretty fast. I'm like, that's Denny Stevenson. And I just threw up in my helmet. I was so nervous because it was Denny. I'm not kidding. It was. I did the same Denny thing last Stevenson. night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so then that whole weekend, I proceeded to throw up three or four times, and, and <laughs> mainly because I was just so nervous. And uh, so I ended up being fastest in practice. And fastest Checkers was there. Checkers told the story. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, I'm the fastest ahead of all these guys, right? And there were Supercross guys that would show up. There, I'm sure Blake and Ramsey might have been there or, or with Nick Way or something. I remember Jason Thomas and Jerry Dostal. <clears throat> Pro Circuit. Mitch, for, like Mitch for some reason, wanted to send his young kids into, into the lion's yeah. den. And we would usually knock them down. Yeah. And uh, so I was fast in practice going into the night. I'm just like, this this is crazy. And I whole shotted the first uh, heat race. This is a 250 class. I wasn't that good on a 125. I don't even know if I made the, the main on a 125. But 252 stroke. I whole shot the first heat race. And Bradshaw passes me. And I'm like, this is where I can make a name for myself right now. And I actually pass him back. And <laughs> threw up in my helmet again. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I won the heat race. And we're just like, this is crazy. And I still have this picture, uh, the full two-page spread, and uh, it had me passing Damon. He probably didn't want to hear it because he's raced with way better guys in his day. But there's a picture in Playground Magazine that said the veteran or the the rookie passes the veteran or something like that. 
And it was like still to this day, one of my proudest moments. And that night, honestly, that, that's what put me on the map. That's like no one had heard of me. There was guys there. Uh, Paul Lindsay from Motorworld at, at the time, he was there that night. He ended up hiring me a few years later. Um, it seemed like because then Arena Cross started in November. So everyone's eyes, all the whole industry, their eyes were on Des Moines Arena Cross. That was seriously one of the biggest races of the year. Yeah, all the industry would come out for it. You yeah, know, they we would barely see out. them during the year, but we'd all the goggle guys and gear guys and would yeah. all be there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that night, I didn't do very good in the main. I think it was sixth or seventh. But um, that night, seriously, forever, I think changed my life and internally because then I was like, hey, these guys aren't cartoon characters. I can actually be pretty good. And, and I, I don't know, I made it two or three or four grand that weekend. I was like, man, this is pretty sweet. Going back to school on Monday, like thinking I was a rich kid. But um, yeah, that weekend forever will, has has changed my life and racing with, with Damon. And uh, he's going to make some excuse about boots or something. He's told me, uh, I don't know yeah, if I believe it or something. <laughs> well, the ironic thing is that night, is you didn't qualify either, either main or either class. No, 250 you did because you got second in the heat race. 125, I think you I'm pretty sure you didn't qualify in either the one. The first night, I don't think I qualified at all. In either. The second night. And we were like, ha ha, the old guy sucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, then, then the next the night he won both mains. Maybe it was the second <laughs> night. Like, well, yeah. I guess the beast is back. Yeah. No. I... Yeah, so that, that was an unbelievable weekend. And just the hype around it and racing guys like like Denny and Damon. And, um, Ray Cross was, was fun. I mean, it uh, it gave us all a second career. It gave you a beginning of career, yeah. um, which I've always felt that – when they're trying to do this Ricky Carmichael chase for Supercrosses, it makes no sense because I don't think Arena Cross has anything to do with Supercross. I mean, yeah, you don't I agree, put, yeah. you turn around a barrel. There's 27 mm -hmm. second lap times. It's yeah. like it's like comparing motocross to GNCC almost, you know. Yeah. But you know, if you in fact you learned, I mean, your your style was always so smooth and precise. Your whoop speed, which still today is uncomparable. You know, I think you Chad Reed's about the only two guys that gets through a set of whoops. Everybody else has to hop through them, I guess. Yeah. Um, Actually, you helped that, Danny. So I'll, I'll <clears throat> never forget this either. I would go through the whoops because in arena cross mainly it was a left-hand turn sweeper into whoops. I remember just always hitting them in second gear, wound out. And these guys I would watch like, how are they doing that? And Denny told me one time, he's like, I go through whoops in fourth. And it might've been that day I had a grove actually. We practiced with whoops because I had some yeah. skimmers that day. Yeah. Yep, we did. He said, I go through them in fourth and I'm like, my jaw hit the ground. I'm like, wait, how do you even get to fourth gear for one? I don't even know my bike has four gears. <laughs> like, and you're going to go through the whoops in fourth gear? And I remember trying it, just like timidly trying it. I'm like, it's so much better. It, so it, yeah, it, it helped to have a lot of legs. That, yeah. I had a lot of legs, so it helped. Yeah. And that was my biggest thing in 90 um, on the factory Suzuki's. It, I would just, I would hit them in the highest gear I could possibly go. And mm -hmm. and I'd learned that from practicing with Bale. Bale had to learn that whole rocking horse type thing. And uh, yeah. if, I, if he could do that at a slower type thing, let's just let's up the speeds if we do them faster. Mm -hmm. And that was, the whoops are always one of my benefits. So I always, I appreciate, I'd always liked your style of just like dropping the hammer. And even today, yeah. and you always keep your body, your, your body position is like always perfect. Like in the middle of the bike, head over the hat, over the crossbar pad. We, uh, not, nowadays, we need to work on jumping, I guess, huh? Who, Everybody me? It just jumps whoops. No, oh, I need to jumping work on in it. general. Yeah, you said yeah. this year there's only two sacks, two tracks that had two tracks. blitzing oh, yeah. whoops. And I don't know if anyone like listened to the pulp show that I did in Denver, that there's apparently a conspiracy that they're talking about. Kiefer was talking about it, uh, Mathis, obviously, that the whoops will be stirred out big. They'll see Roger boogie up to the freaking day, you know, the, whoever he, they talk to about that. And after practice or, you know, before, after press day, they're bowed down. I yeah, was just shocked I, that they're even saying that. Like, they're like, yeah, that has been happening all season. Yeah. I, you I think don't that's know. possible when you're there. I have seen whoops built on Friday and Saturday during the tri walk, they're mowed down for sure. But I will say 
like Seattle this year, the whoop started out big. And I'm like, there's no way we'll jump these. No possible way. And me and Chad were the, the best guys in them. We're, he's, what, 37? I'm 35. And we're the two best guys in the whoops, which is kind of funny. And then all of a sudden, the last practice, like, I don't remember what I was in times. I'm like, I was crushing the whoops. Like, what, what's going on? Oh, they're, they're all jumping the whoops now. And I'm like, how, like, how do they even jump those? You know? So it's kind of changing the game with with the way we go through whoops. And Damon, you've been at a lot of races. You've witnessed it yourself. And I'm sure, Chad, you've watched on TV. But like, did you guys jump whoops a lot back in your day? Chad, did you jump quite a few whoops? I think it was, yeah, it wasn't as much now, but I yeah. definitely did. Whoops were just a lot different. Because it would get so beat up, out. yeah. You could, you could yeah really it was pavement. It was literally pavement between and, and rain across whoops. And I mean, always, I would always try to hunt a fresh portion of the whoops. But in arena cross, we did, I think, we yeah, and what was different when when we rode our early start Supercross seasons career was when they you had three promoters. So every track was built by a different crew. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like the West Coast wow. was Mickey Thompson, and their track, their whoops were basically curbs. Their jumps were real squatty. Yeah, Savitsky's did the East Coast ones, and then really? you know obviously Daytona was a different one. So imagine going into each, what part? And they talk about each West Coast dirt, East Coast dirt. But can you imagine East Coast builders and West Coast builders? Yeah, I mean, their tracks crazy. are totally built different. Yeah, that's wild. Wild. Can you imagine that now? I can't imagine motors that. <laughs> how you have to build the tracks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now we have the same track builders basically every week. They have the same guy build the whoops every week. But yeah, you're right. I mean, some some weeks they're smaller than others, and and there has been races in particular where we show up on Friday, and you know normally we fly in Friday, but sometimes we'll have press day, and I'll see the whoops like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. There'll be skimmers, and then you walk the track on Saturday morning. It's like. Where'd they go? That's they, a, it's, they it's, a KTM, it's a KTM uh, scandal, I guess. That's yeah, what they were calling it. I was shocked that I hadn't heard that. But uh, I, I, someone else had said that, you know, Cooper has obviously had an outstanding season, but the whoops helped him. When there were blitzers, he was not good. When he For could sure, hop through yeah. them, they were lifesavers. And yeah. one of the other guys I, I was talking to was saying that, they, that he has to purposely build the whoops so they can hop through them sometimes, you know, so it's mm-hmm. something they can practice. Cause obviously when you try to do it that day, you're yeah. like, man, I, I can't, I haven't yeah, practiced I'm not this. that good at it. Yeah. But man, I was a hopper too. I was a hopper. You were a hopper. I was you're a, a hopper. You, oh, you yeah, little, live for the hopping. Yeah. You, I think mm-hmm. you, that year you won at Tampa. Was that yeah, Tampa was Orlando? Like, Those yeah. whoops are hoppers. Yep. Yep. They were hoppers. Track was yeah. concrete. Yeah. That was, that was, uh, I don't know. That was a weird win. What? That was, you that won was Tampa weird. in 90? 93. 93. 93. All over. Tell, huh. tell us some about '96 when your uh, ride permit. Did you leave Arena Cross that year, and then uh, you knocked yourself out in Minneapolis? I remember watching this race. I remember that on TV. So too. do we want to know if you want to? Yeah. And so he, Iowa, and uh, Fort Dodge. Off. Fort Dodge. Yeah. Fort Dodge. We are from Nebraska now, Gilmore. Okay. But Swap was my ultimate hero growing up my whole life. And I remember watching uh, Minneapolis Supercross one year and you knocked yourself out. He was riding for Mitch. I I raced leading the whole series and then you left arena. That was that was ninety seven. 97 I did that when I worked when I raced with uh Chaparral. You're on a Yamaha, right? Yeah. At Yamaha right when you were you're leading arena cross, you raced what the first four rounds. Yeah. And I think the last one you raced was Guthrie, I think, and then you you went to Supercross. Yeah, I went to went to Florida and and uh, well, no, I went to Indy. And they had the wrong shock on my bike, so I went from first to fourth, 
and got the old, oh, he's just used to arena cross. So then I went to following weekend and then I podiumed with, I was on, got third with Ricky winning and then uh, Carmichael. I don't know. And then uh, <laughs> it was the, the D-Day, the end of uh, that year when I, uh, I crashed and shattered my wrist. Um, that, no, that was that was 97. 96, I just raced Des Moines. Just had some stock bikes and raced Des Moines. And then I got ready for Minneapolis and Yezik cross-rutted in front of me and off I went onto the concrete. Yeah, I remember you like your concussed. And then, like, did you break your arm, too? Yep. That time? Broke my wrist. Yeah. Yep. I remember yeah, the – Cody, you remember like, it. the hardest, like, uh, you're riding for Mitch that year. Like, was, Mitch is a powerhouse then, too. Like, uh, like what, how do you deal with that? And then, and then you're out for the whole season. Um, I was I, – I came – I only missed the first round of the outdoors. And I came back, and I was – I don't know. I was the top finisher on the team, for sure, that whole year. And – uh, me and Mitch had a, a great relationship and I remember going into the 97 season and I'm doing all the, all the suspension testing, pipe testing. I mean, I'm burning laps for bones and Mitch and, uh, I'm like really ready to freaking, and all of a sudden they let me go. Now it's like, I couldn't believe it. I wanted to, I almost flipped Mitch's desk over on top of him. I was so freaking mad. So, what, 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 yeah. Huh? Why? What was the they hired Decker. Ricky. No, Craig, Craig Decker. Craig was it Craig, Craig Decker? before, right? He came back. He came back because he broke his back. And it's like I don't know. I, I was I had a point to prove '97, and she went from Mitch to Chaparral. Yeah. Month. What month was that when Mitch told you? Uh, like uh, that was November. Oh, so you totally didn't screwed have me. Yes. Yeah. And I was just, I was lucky and I was lucky enough that uh, Dave Dameron, you know, picked me up. Totally. Well, we have a surprise caller on the line. Uh, Mitch Payton, are you there? Yeah. No? Okay. Just kidding. Uh, listen, we got to take quick time out. The combined broadcast of Absurd After Party and, of course, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. Grateful for all the you that are listening, but all that have joined us here. Justin Brayton on the weekend. It's the Justin Brayton shootout. And why he does it, he loves to give back. He likes to see the youth, but he also likes to play. And if we forget, one of the reasons why we get into racing to begin with is because we want to have fun. And we discover that some of us are better than others. And right now I'm sitting next to what I consider motorcycling royalty. And I'm very lucky to be here. Scott Casper with you for Tony Wake. We'll be back live from Pole Position Raceway in Grimes, Iowa. Stay tuned on a Justin Brayton weekend. It is Pit Pass, everybody. Hi, this is Leslie Porterfield from High Five Cycles, fastest woman in the world on a motorcycle. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. With no speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans, Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's trackaddix.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was 
meant to be ridden with Track Addicts Track Days. With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA closure system race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 ProFit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high high-quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals. Wiseco. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 1460 KXNO. The Yamaha YZF R3 Sport Bike at Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes is the most exciting and affordable way ever to join the exclusive world of Yamaha R-Series Superbike Performance. It features a potent fuel-injected 321cc liquid-cooled parallel twin engine for great acceleration, a slim, lightweight chassis for sporty, agile handling, a low seat height to get both your feet firmly on the ground for added confidence, plus legendary Yamaha Superbike styling guaranteed to turn heads, all at a super value. No wonder Cycle World calls it a bargain, and Revzilla hails it the new king of the hill when it comes to entry-level lightweight sport bikes. Visit Hicklin Power Sports in Grimes today to see the incredible Yamaha R3. And for more information, visit YamahaMotorsports.com. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeve shirt, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. The point is good. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Like Swell Vodka on Facebook. Find Swell at fine stores that sell spirits. Hi, I'm Danny Walker of American Supercamp, and you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Pit Pass and uh, Absurd After Party. Denny Stevenson, Scott Casper with you. It is a Justin Brayton weekend. Got some great guys on uh, on the dais right now. Damon Bradshaw, Justin Brayton, obviously. Chad Swap-Pedersen. Cody Gilmore is in and out. Matt Byton is here on the weekend doing some jump. He actually jumped over the tent that Tony had set up for the uh, after party, which I thought was pretty cool. Mark Bunnell is our host here at Pole Position Raceway in Grimes, Iowa. Big shout-out to my buddy Tony Wink. I know he's put a lot into the weekend, but we were greeted with rain and a lot of clouds and a lot of wet. So uh, we'll get right back to it. When we um, when we left, we were talking a little bit with uh, with Swap about his his personal experiences and his experiences as a racer, but also how disappointed you can be as a racer when your contract gets canceled because of one thing or another. Um, how did how does a guy like you settle down? I've known you a lot of years. How does a guy like you settle down and realize that it is just business at that point? Well, yeah, I get that. I mean, I, I've never, I mean, I was just bummed because 
I was really looking forward to a good year, which I, I, I have every year. And it just seems like something stupid would, would always happen. You know, I'd break my femur or I'd break my arm. I think we can all agree it's a vicious, cruel mistress of a sport. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, it will rip your heart out. Mm -hmm. and, and like you said, at the Nationals coming home, you were, you were, the Nationals are so gnarly. And so, like, you just better be prepared for three months of pain. You know, win or lose. And I know I've seen Damon just pin Chad after the races, you know. And you said you came home after a race, you know, called your wife or girlfriend after getting a four or five and were like in tears. Like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. It is, it is breaking me. Yeah. Well, that, that did happen to me. So it was like 88, 88, which is weird because I, I didn't do the, the whole after Loretta's thing and go to a national. What was your last year at Loretta's? 88. 88. Mine well, too. 89. Did you win both classes? 88, I did. 88, you did. What class? But it's like, a and yeah, but it's like after '88, I didn't, I didn't, I waited to go to California to race out there with Diamond and all those guys. The Golden State. Golden State. Yep. And I. Could you imagine that now today? Like all those, just all, all the factory guys, everybody going racing. That's crazy. And just an off Boy, race. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think Damon was. Yeah. It was a Transcal. Yeah. Yeah, it was a trans race. And did, um, the winter end, which I like the winter end better. I like going to Florida better. I have to imagine. But had Plus to go to California. Dirt. You had to chase the competition. So, Chad, when you were a double class winner at Loretta's, did you already have a factory ride going into the pros then? Because um, now, if you win double, if you win two championships and then you turn pro, it's like you've got here's. You got the Horizon Award. Grand, yeah. You got, you know, you got everything. Did you have a factory ride then, or did you just go to California on your own? Um, I, I went to California on my own. Really? And it's like, I I don't know. I, I took off that first 250 moto, and Diamond was behind me the whole freaking time. He passed me last lap, and I'm like, Man. What track was it? Atlanto. Atlanto, yeah. yep. Sandy, fast. Yep. Yeah. But then I, I fell, and I hurt my arm, and I'm like, I'm done for the day. I'm not. I'm not going to ride. Well, Mark Easley comes up. He goes, "Dude, you're oh, killing man, it. Easley. <laughs> you're killing it. Man. You cannot. You have to ride." I'm like, "No, dude. I'm. I'm hurting. No, you. You have to ride." I'm like, oh, "All right." You sound like Justin Hill. And it's like they had a, that 90 foot tabletop there, <laughs> yeah. and I. I don't know. I hit the face of that. My arm gave out, and like just helicopter ride to the. Can we admit that Mark Easley was a terrible influence? He was a terrible influence. <laughs> Who's Mark Easley? Uh, he was, he was uh, a funny story, which is a little, maybe a little appropriate, but I don't care. <laughs> Mark Easley was a Suzuki mechanic uh, when Budman and, and, and Swap rode for Suzuki Arena Cross with yep. Billy Whitley. Um, I'm not really sure the possible year that would have been, what, 99 maybe? 99. 99. I was riding uh, last year with Tough. And we after the, every after every arena cross in Dallas Fort Worth, it was around. Uh, well, we'd stay a Sunday and go to the men's club, a favorite uh, dancing studio. <laughs> and we'd go there real early during the day, and uh, and we'd eat lunch and we'd watch football and watch each dinner. And uh, Easley and Swap were there with all of us, and just decided they wanted to leave. So they just took the rental car, took Bud's bags, took left us all there, just went to the airport, said, "I'm we're done." That's not exactly the story, but we're doing a little editing. <laughs> but, but I think Easley was soon soon fired. Yep. Yep. Because of that editing, and uh, so it's just a minute. Well, good good call that those two times you listened to him. Yeah. Uh -huh. Perfect. I, that's so funny. I didn't even know that about that. <laughs> <laughs> the Adelanto deal. Yeah. I, I remember that uh, that weekend in Dallas. Highly recommend that place. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. 
but yeah, no, that's like, yeah, I got done with that. And, and um, so then I came back in 89 and I didn't really care to ride a motorcycle too much because it hurt me. So <laughs> kind of like you now. Yeah, I hate those things. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I hate those dirt bikes are the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> but yeah, 89 and then uh, I just didn't perform. So what was your first, like was, what was your first ride then going to, for nationals? Uh, my first one was like Binghamton. But what was your first uh, sponsorship? Like, uh, what was your first contract you got a salary? Yamaha. Yamaha. I was was DGY? Nope, I was with Factory Yamaha as a support writer with Damon. Oh, yeah. And I I floundered so freaking bad, it was pathetic. Did you have to test and ride practice with him? Yep. Got that to be demoralizing. It was. <laughs> it was. It was horrible. It, it was, was like, very, it was very similar to all the laps that he was talking about with Pro Circuit. And it was the same way that Yamaha was the testingest company at the time by far. I mean, shocks and pipes and you, you just lost contact with any of them. It was like, well, what was good? Well, I don't know. Cause I yeah, I've lost, I lost that an hour ago. <laughs> what, what did my notes say? Yeah, it's five o'clock. I've been riding since 830 and they want you to do just one, one more. Just one more. That was John R's famous words. And you can't believe those guys. I think, is John R still there or did he retire? No, he retired. Keith's <laughs> still there though, right? Uh, Keith is, yeah. That's, it was funny because 16 or 17. Did I went to San Diego Supercross, and there were guys underneath that tent that were at Yamaha when I went there and started riding 80s, and they're still there. Still there. Like Bob, Ron Heben was back, yeah. and, you know, Bob Oliver just retired. Just retired, but, yeah. That's, it's insane. That we, we talk about, I think, it's we, something we never talk about. It. In, in ball sports, when, it, when a team fails, you, you get rid of a few of the players, you get a few of the coaches, and eventually you get rid of the GM, you know, because who's responsible for all this garbage that the team's producing motocross never happens that way riders are always a problem yeah. bikes are never the problem coaches are never the problem the gms have the same four brands have had almost the same team manager for the last you know 25 35 years never thought about it that way yeah yeah i mean why isn't why isn't they, t they take a little bit internal look instead of blaming all these riders and looking for the next best thing because that's another thing we talk about is that how cruel the sport is is if you miss a few rounds there's obviously a kid right behind you that's going to try and it's going to do better. And just because you had a few bad motos or even a bad, you're only, again, you're only as good as your last race. Well, it's like, I just felt like, you know, I was always on the chopping block. Yeah. And it's like, gosh, it's like, and it's like, I get injured and it's like, see ya. Do you think kids today are too coddled coming in with these factory rides and uh, having Star already given their kids these amateur kids factory bikes and like, what do they got to work for? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's crazy when these kids get. I mean, you were you were just an angry crazy. bastard, so you didn't really nothing mattered to you. You know, a lot of these kids don't ever have that fire. I mean, that's why I've always loved the perspective about you is that that fire. I think it makes these guys soft. Or you, it just made you want to just kill and destroy. Yeah, I mean, again, it just was. That's what motivated me. You know, everybody. We'll be back with our number two of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly coming up here on the Pit Pass Radio Network.
Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect real technical conditions and it's now available in a new four-stroke model for racing or recreation riding. Big four strokes. The newest addition is the V Line Do All VRM 340, a heavy duty off road tire that is DOT approved. Most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments. It's V Rubber and the Tacky Tires, the choice of Sherco off road. Racers say when using a tacky, it's almost like cheating. It's V Rubber. Radio, America's weekly motorcycle talk show. I got me a date with some of the motocrosses up around the way. Your source for weekly updates on what's happening in the world of motorcycle racing. You know how fast you're going? Industry news, trends, the people involved. I'm Ricky Carmichael. It's Kevin Schwartz. This is Josh Timoth. This is Kelly Smith. This is Travis Latron. This is Jeremy McGrath. And now, Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back to Pit Pass, an absurd after party. Denny Stevenson, Scott Casper with you on this. Uh, well, by God, it's just a Justin Brayton kind of weekend. We've gotten a little bit used to it. Third generation of the uh, Bright, uh, Justin uh, Brayton shootout down in uh, Winterset, Iowa. A little rainy down there. So we brought the after party, if you will, back up to Des Moines, up to Pole Position Raceway. Mark Bennell has agreed to host us on the weekend. And uh, by golly, if you've never seen or participated on electric carts you need to get up to a pole position for all the fun that is these electric carts they go super super quick and, uh, and it's an awful lot of fun to watch anyway we've been enjoying the conversation with justin brayton obviously uh damon bradshaw chad Pedersen. they're going to stay through uh the first uh probably 10 minutes and then we'll slide cody gilmore and matt biting in and uh, maybe tony winkle even join us at some point but the question that i posed prior to uh, going to uh, top of the hour break, coming back, my question still stands. Have we seen everything that we're going to see as far as changes in our industry? KTM has slowly climbed up the ladder to the point where they have got everybody's attention. You're seeing Husqvarna, the brand that was, come back and really start making some noise. You're seeing Honda holding down its spot. But you're also seeing Yamaha, Suzuki, and Kawasaki out there still 
but not necessarily always in the winner's circle at the top of the box. Justin Braden, let's bring you back. If, if we can slide that mic over in front of you, what are your initial thoughts about the industry as it stands right now in terms of uh, the brands that are, 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 are working hard? Um, yeah, I think as from a rider, I think the biggest thing that KTM's doing is everyone's working together so well. Um, cause I, I've been on several teams where you just feel like you're a little bit of, uh, of an outcast or maybe the team's not working together or maybe the team's separate than the rider. And then, um, you know, my first year with, with, uh, Joe Gibbs racing, I came in and it seemed like they wanted to do the, to do the football mentality, which is kind of what KTM has done, but they've taken it to a different level. They had, you know, at JGR, they had in-house trainers. They had uh, their own private test track. And at the time, I just think they were a little too early and maybe didn't have the right people in place. I think their motto was was spot on. Um, KTM has all the right people in place. They have, uh, you know, Alden Baker as a trainer. They have uh, leadership with DeCoster and Ian Harrison now. And, and I just think when you go there, you know everyone is on the same page. And... Sometimes as a rider, you can feel like you're in left field because the team is separate and then you do testing and you feel like there's chatter behind your back about whatever it may be. And then uh, the riders on their own for getting trainers. And and I feel like if I was running a team and your biggest investment is your rider, you would want to know who the trainer is. You would want to make sure they're eating right. You would want to make sure they're doing their laps like the list goes on. But no, a lot of teams I've been on and a lot of teams even now. They don't even care. They're like, go, go. Here's your contract. Go yeah, figure it out. Here's your contract. Here's, here's a million bucks, but oh, go nice. figure it out. So I mean, there's like, a lot well, of guys no, that that's are making that, that much money. The best money example we always laugh about is Buddy Antonez. Bud man turned pro at 16 and yeah. wasn't his parents didn't travel with him. They mm-hmm. got him a ticket and an airplane ticket and said, we'll see you at the track. Yeah. And now KTM's like, Hey, these two guys are our biggest investment. We're going to do everything we can to get the right things in place to make them be successful and and help them because when you're a kid and and like if damon's 16 and he's coming into to race professional and to be the best guy he doesn't really know how to handle money he's making i don't know what you're making a million bucks maybe at that time or or even if he's making a not in 88 yeah well in 88 even if it's a hundred where did this million dollars come from well now nowadays i know but back in those types of numbers yeah but even for me, like when I started first, let's just say a hundred grand, when I first started making a hundred grand, I'm like, I thought I was the richest kid on the planet. And I didn't know how to handle that. Where now these kids are getting more, they're getting 500 grand or some are getting a million. So then you have to handle that. Then the kids, they don't know how to get a loan for a house. So who's going to help, help them with that. They don't know how to get a vehicle. They don't know how to, like, there's so many things, so insurance policy. So all these things, I feel like, the riders on their own little island on how to handle it. And then they have to go win the race on the weekend after trying to deal with all these things. And I just think that's where, as far as the racing side of it, KTM's got it figured out as far as we're all a team. Hey, Marvin Coop, guess what? You guys don't like each other. You're still doing motos together. And I think it's great. And when you go there, they set that bar and you have respect for that. I don't think all teams could do it because I don't know if they have the respect up top from the leadership side. 
they've already proven so, it now. And the fact they've proven it, yeah, it's, right. it's so hard for someone else to come in and do it. I think, I've, yeah, for Honda to try and say, hey, Kenny, you're going to work for this 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 new trainer we got. Yeah. yeah. But with Alden, it's already a proven deal. KTM's already right. a proven plan. Yeah. Yeah. But even the, aside from the training side, I still think the teams could make everyone more of a team and, and work together more. That's my side from, you know, I don't know from like I've never been a team manager. I've never been on that side. But as a rider going to teams, that's what I think would help me the most of. And honestly, my now Moto Concepts, it is it's not like, oh, you have to have this trainer or that trainer. But Tony Alessi as a manager, like that guy will be up all night to make sure my bike is dialed. And that's awesome because sometimes I'm up all night trying to figure out how I can be better. And you want that in a, in a manager and in a in a owner for me. He's spending, you know, several hundred thousand dollars of his own money. So you know, everyone's kind of invested in it together. I don't think all teams are like that. I think some guys just take their paycheck and go home at five o'clock and and clock out. Where that's not our sport. It's twenty four seven. So, and, and I guess my follow up to that would be, and Danny, you could you could chime in too. Um, so you treat it like a business, number one. You have a plan. You have a hierarchy. The team owner, team manager, trainer, uh, techs and engineers, and, of course, the racers, not necessarily in that order. But if you have that going in and you just sit down and this is the way it works, fellas, this is what we're doing, then the expectation truly is a championship season, right? So if the equipment... In, in this case, we're talking, you know, KTM obviously has been a target for a lot of folks. They've done a good job. But if the equipment is is uh, not just par, but better than par, that gives you one more leg up. You've, it seems like all the tools are in place for a championship run no matter what. There are no excuses except the competition. And the competition is only getting better, yeah? Yeah, for sure. I think Denny said it right earlier, like – a lot of teams point the blame at the rider like it's always the rider. So then you have more pressure even as a rider to perform where you're like, my bike's not good enough or teams don't really want to admit that or the manufacturer doesn't want to admit that, that a certain bike is better. So I think that's that's part of it, too. And, yeah, now competition. I mean, everyone's getting better. There's all I always say it's the training facility era. Like right now is when that's starting to be these kids that have been. That's what they're groomed to do. You know, when I'm in. uh 11 years old, I'm not being, I wasn't being groomed to be a racer. Now these kids, there's kids that I ride with that are eight, nine, 10 years old that are living at a training facility, wow. wanting to be the next Damon Bradshaw. It's like, that's pretty crazy. So now I'm starting to race those kids that their whole life is banked on that. It's just reps. I've got way more reps than probably more. I'm 35. Some of the kids have more laps down, more laps than me. And they're, but then we've talked about as well, that these are, these kids are now practice kids. These That's right. They kids, don't race very often. They race like four times a year. Yeah. And yeah. I think we can all agree that it's an amateur. It's crazy. It's, yeah. 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 The only race Loretta's. Yeah. And maybe the winter Olympics and maybe, you know, Daytona, the, the selected big events yeah. now. I mean, that racing forge does. I mean, racing is so, so different. Than, so much different. It, it's everything. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it's a mind blowing, and, and I, that's why I love that uh, Tony. You know, Tony is trying to get people to race. We talked about that on the way uh, coming in tonight, mm -hmm. and uh, Checkers had said that Tony will Tony will get almost lose money on a weekend just so he get people out racing. Yeah, you know, show up and pay for practice, and we'll let you race for free. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's where we see a lot of these kids today, which I post on Instagram, is 
is they're not they're they're little mentally weak. They make mistakes when they should be making mistakes. They're getting paid way too much money to make making those mistakes. And I think it comes in from the fact that they just grew up not dealing with those situations. I mean, sure. I mean, you, we're we're from the age of eight years old. I was my dad made. I was clutch. You you show up, you win. That's what you do. You know, it's, it's it doesn't come pressure really that young. It, may, it comes pressure later, but you delivered at the point. Like when you showed up, you know, with Loretta's, you go in with a one one and the third moto. That's all on you, man. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You either win or you fold. Yeah. And um, I think you see a lot of these kids folding because they just not deal, they haven't dealt with that their whole life. Mm-hmm. A bunch of stinking laps <laughs> on, a, on a practice track, and that doesn't really teach you. Yeah. True. I, I'm not sure I understood that word, but um, <laughs> it's pretty clear for most of us. Um, I do want to, and final, before we break this up, and Denny, you're going to stay with me, but you mentioned Alden Baker, and he has really set the bar high as far as what a good trainer does. But there's one guy I think that is perhaps the best team manager, I think, that I've seen in my entire career and perhaps you would agree with me on this, but what has Roger DeCoster meant to our sport? Uh, and in, in, in specific, what has he meant to the modern day racer? I mean, what are your thoughts? First, Justin, we'll go to you. Yeah, honestly, I, I mean, I, I think his, his records speak for themselves. I, I, I know Roger personally, but not that well. I've never really worked with him. But there's obviously something there, that leadership that people really grasp. I think there's certain people in in life, whether it's businessmen or athletes or whatever, that just have this certain aura that you just respect them. And I think he has that, and that's hard to come by. Um, it's earned. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe these guys could speak, you know, more. I'd like to see me. what Damon. Damon, you know, he's – you know, Rogers it was a big part of, you know, I think – growing up with his racing and knowing his world talents and stuff. And you talked about, you know, the team you're, you're working with Keith, you know, career, career team people. What is your outside look? It's, you know, from working with Keith all the years and what you've seen that Rogers done, what do you think the difference in that? You know, I don't think there's any real one difference. I mean, obviously he puts things into place and he has good people surrounding, which obviously makes his job easier, but um, you know, I worked with Roger just a little bit, uh, motocross to nations, but it's kind of on a different line. So I can't, I mean, I know he was very structured and, and, you know, obviously you have a lot of respect for him from his past and you respect what he says. So I, I don't know if the younger guys know Roger from that side, right? I mean, maybe sure. they do, but, um, you know, it, and I think Keith McCarty was a, was, uh, a, a great um, team manager. I mean, he was like almost like my second dad because I started there so young. Um, but you know, he was now all these guys have all of these people, Keith and my mechanic were kind of all of those people then, um, trainers, uh, mental guys, you, you, they right, knew everything, that, what yeah. you did during the week at home. I mean, they, they knew you probably better than some of your best friends. So I, it's crazy how it has all changed, but I think that's the reason they've been so successful is because, like you were saying, they have all of these people that help they, them they, take they, care they of these built things. and trusted in, in their structure, yeah. Yeah, and so it's um, – but, again, that was like family to me. At Yamaha now, I think it's so corporate and so – but it's obviously works for them. Let's jump right in. You mentioned it, the motocross the nations. What the – motocross the nations, what – What's going on over oh, there? Oh, gosh. Yeah, the, the, that pressure. And you, the, I can't, and you, the, you, I mean, you went over there how many times? I think I went I went twice, and then the third time was chosen and opted no, out, which yeah. everybody didn't like that very well. But 
what, why, why did you not do it? Because of the just the, the, the gnarly pressure, and it was, it was unfor- the, like if you won, great. If you lost, and you're there's the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. It was the pressure and um, the effort that it took to go, and it just and again, I I wanted to give somebody else an, an opportunity to go, and I think two guys went that year because me and Stan opted out that may have never, never may yeah, have never throw, been able throw to go. Lyles, right, went and right yeah, and they ended up winning. Yeah, so it was uh, it was you know, and a, a great honor to be chosen for it. It's one of those things I think. Growing up as a kid, that is like, to me, that's like winning a championship to get chosen to go and do that. Yeah, but the pressure was unexplainable. Did you guys pit together? We all we were a team there, or were we individual trucks? No, we we were we were we were a team, and it was everything went out the window. You know what I mean? It was like all of a sudden now you were a team, and I mean we we would we would go over for two weeks, we trained together, ride together, and those um things that you would never do in the States, obviously. Right. But it was cool because you got to know, you know, Jeff Ward and on a different line and and, and uh, Jeff Stanton. And, but then when you went back home, it was totally which, separate again. I read something to Mathis with Mathis went over with Tim Ferry. I think Roger was over there with, with Rhino and someone else, someone else. And so they got there a little late, Ferry and, and Mathis did. They showed up to the test track to do the team thing. The, the other two guys were done, so they said, well, okay, this is how the track is. We'll see you back at the hotel. And then at, while they're at the races, they're all three in, in different team trucks. He said, I, we literally never spoke the entire weekend. Oh, God, yeah. I no. mean, how do you team sport that? That's just I, they fathom that. And that's why I was wondering if it was like that with you. But I always recall no. that in reading stories, obviously, it's being such a huge fan of that. It's going there as a, as a unit. Yep. Not three different individuals. And I, yeah, yeah, that's cra- That's crazy. Yeah. I, 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 I do remember hearing that, though. Yeah, I didn't quite realize it was like that. And then, you know, obviously the nation's here in Redbud uh, walking around the pits and stuff. It's a different vibe, obviously, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. I was fortunate to be a part of a winning team. And I didn't really contribute that much. I didn't uh, feel like because I had crashes. And the one year I went on 125, we didn't have a 125 rider that year. So we had no testing, nothing. And it was like they wanted me to ride 125. So I tried. Oh, but- you'd ride in 250 all year? Yeah. All year, and yeah. you dropped down to ride 125 and, and hadn't been on it all year. And the bike was was really, really bad. I mean, it was probably maybe like riding a 65 now. <laughs> Just <running. laughs> It was so bad, yeah. And got jumped on top of. I couldn't even, I couldn't even make sand, some of the jumps. sand track? Yeah. I couldn't even make some of the jumps that other 125s. I mean, that's how bad the thing was. And what was the, so where the second time you were? What country? Do you remember? Uh, I think, I think uh, Sweden and Belgium were the two that I went to. Sweden with I, the sand? They both were. Oh, the second one as well? Yeah. yeah. It was gnarly. You're from Florida. You love that shit. Well, I like riding in the sand, but horsepower helped. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> not. I struggled that's not, so I, bad. I yeah. forgot that they'd done that, and that they still do that sometimes, pretty rarely. I think but what they did to Dungey once. It was like going back, you're talking about the teams and stuff. I mean, we you didn't think about, and I didn't talk about it because I knew there were several years that my my motorcycle was not even close to what Hondas or, or Cowies were, but you didn't talk about it. You didn't tell the press. You didn't tell anybody. Yeah, how about because, that, that, four, that 490, that fin flap and air-cooled 490? I'm glad I did. And you're racing those, fi- those factory Honda 500s, that had to be gnarly. Uh, yeah, and the, and the Cowie that year was obviously the best 500. Um, but somebody mentioned it to me today. So I like only six races, I think, then because it was a split season. But uh, the stories that come out of that, I'm, I'm glad I did it. All right, guys. Um, how about a round of applause for our first set of guests, Damon Bradshaw and Chad Swap Patterson? Thank you, thank you, guys. It is a Justin Braden weekend, and by golly, I do want to let you guys know before you depart that you still are the heroes for many of us.
because you raised for us that which we could not have done ourselves. So we love you guys. Respect the heck out of you. Thank you for the time today and uh, appreciate you coming out. Big round of applause for these guys right here. It is a, uh, it is a, <laughs> an incredible weekend, as always. We get to spend it with Justin Brayton, but Justin Brayton shootout going on down in Winterset, Iowa at Riverside Raceway. We'll be back. Absurd after party and pit pass will continue. More with Denny Stevenson, yours truly, coming up. Our guests include Cody Gilmore and Matt Biden. Stay tuned. Back after this. This is Jason Conlon, Pro Supermoto Racer, and you're listening to Pit Pass Radio. Hey everybody, it's Scott Casper from Pit Pass Radio. V-Rubber offers a whole range of performance motocross and off-road tires, starting with the VRM229 for hard pack supercross settings and the VRM300. It's designed for intermediate soil conditions. The most popular tire is the VRM140. It's designed for soft to intermediate environments. All knob tires are available in the most popular motocross and off-road sizes as well. The VRM308R Trials is the perfect choice for real technical conditions and it's now available in a new force model for racing or recreation riding big four strokes the newest addition is the v-line do all vrm 340 a heavy duty off-road tire that is dot approved most of the tires are available in the new slow rebound tacky compound for extremely technical environments it's v rubber and the tacky tires the choice of sherco off-road racers say when using a tacky it's almost like cheating it's v rubber No speed limits, no tickets, and no left-turning minivans. Track Addicts Track Days allows you to experience the performance of your sport bike in a safe and fun environment. Track Addicts Track Days offers a variety of programs, ranging from their new rider school to their advanced group sessions for experienced track riders. Get all the details at trackaddicts.com. That's track, A-D-D-I-X.com. Or call Ducati Omaha at 402-408-4400. Learn to ride your sport bike the way it was meant to be ridden with track addicts track days it's a fact the best you've ridden is the best you know until you've ridden race tech suspension you haven't experienced the best suspension possible race tech is the science of suspension for atv and utvs motocross freestyle and stunning off-road supermoto road race sport bikes cruisers touring and vintage bikes as well as adventure riding with gold valve kits to upgrade your stock forks and shocks and our g3s custom series shocks you too can have the Race Tech Suspension Advantage, and it's all made in the USA. For more information about Race Tech products and applications, visit our website at racetech.com. America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, comes your way each Sunday morning from 8 to 10, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This is 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles, both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest-to-ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who 
like to take their fun off-road more than on? There's the high-performance Enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Don't wait another minute for that new dream home you've always wanted. I'm Tony Wink for Jack Daly on Construction. For 66 years, the DeLeon family has been building custom homes, existing home remodeling, and adding on for customers across central Iowa. The DeLeons will offer you one-on-one attention that the big builders simply can't. They'll walk you through the process so you'll get the home that you want. Jack works well with your plans or can show you from his library of over 1,200 house plans and make your dreams a reality. Call the DeLeons at 515-321-5225. Tell them you heard about them on Pit Pass Radio and receive 5% off the price. Jack DeLeon Construction, serving Iowa since 1946. Kevin Swamp here, 1993 500cc world champ. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. All right, welcome back. It is a combined broadcast weekend, absurd after party, and Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekend, making the best out of the weekend. Best of the Midwest, well, that's a Cody Gilmore project that's been doing very well. He joins us now, as does uh, Matt Byton. And I saw Byton, you were jumping the tent in the. Uh, in Winterset, and first of all, you make it look easy, which makes the rest of us feel a little bit sad. But dude, you you just would look like you're having a good time down there. What was the uh, what was the property like as far as moisture and and things like that? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, no, uh, it was definitely moist, super moist. You know what I mean? Uh, the wheel spin everywhere, going at the at the. I have AstroTurf laid down 50 feet of it, and then. Uh, yeah, there was a puddle. I didn't uh, really walk it out all that way until I set everything up and then I went to go hit it. And then I was like, oh, there's a puddle. So I had to S around the puddle. Well, I saw a video of you. I, I think maybe Tony may have taken the video, Tony Wink. Yeah. Uh, but he kind of focused in on that puddle. Did he ever get it filled with rock, gravel, or anything like that? <laughs> no, I no. just ran it. I got something wrong with me. Like, I literally asked my dad two weeks ago. I'm 39. I should probably not be flipping a dirt bike in the wind, wheel spin over a tent, <laughs> metal ramp to metal you ramp. It looked so easy, though. I asked my dad what's wrong with me, and he didn't really have an answer. But So we're just going to keep going. Danny <laughs> Stevenson, you all seem to have the same um, uh, disease. And it is, it's a disease, and it starts with the oil and the crank. Okay, so, but I think it also no starts crank. with, huh? <laughs> no, crank. no crank. You know what I'm saying? In the in the oil, it's it's about the oil. It's no, it's that would be crack. That's a completely different kind of party. But I want to welcome you back in, Denny. It's uh, first of all the first hour I thought was great, and I want to uh, have you uh, help continue on with the conversation as we welcome Cody Gilmore and Matt Byton into the broadcast. Yeah, thank you. And thank you guys for joining me. That first hour was awesome. Um, shoot, I haven't seen Damon forever. Uh, to belt sitting those guys was fascinating. Great motocross stories. But now I want to hear from what happened last night. Let's hear some good. Here we go. Here we go. That doesn't work, buddy. It, this doesn't work? No, man. All right, well. I want to hear about how that 125 got brought from the basement up into the party room of that, of that girl's house. Well, no, you, you're going too fast in the story. You got to bring exactly. it back to the beginning. Okay, sorry, I jumped ahead a little Come bit. Come on, man. Let's take it back to the beginning, you guys. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like a pet Pope Fiction no, episode. We're going to like, tell jump. this story so slow. <laughs> and y'all going to be 
so bored. <laughs> I'm waiting for this cliff line, and then and then nothing. Mesmerized. And then you know what the end of the story is. Bradshaw or none of us know what the hell happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's a reason Bradshaw didn't show up today. It was because B10 right here. It was a me. It was totally your fault. Yeah, maybe. No, so, it was a, I, uh, I, I should have warned him to never go out with you two, ever. Well, I guess <laughs> Tony Wink, he's like, hey, uh, you guys are going to this kung fu place. and uh, Which is a bar here in Des Moines, obviously. It's a good bar. Yeah, Jeff Wright is an awesome dude. He's a legend in the motorcycle industry. My dad's friends with him. And my dad, I remember like growing up, dad, you know, he's in the Harley industry and he'd be, you know, this Jeff Wright dude, he builds some cool bikes, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, you kind of get, start growing up a little bit. I go to this Kung Fu Tap and Taco. I've never been there before. And I'm like looking back and there's a Boon Bala of Tony's old race and a picture of me on this plaque. And I'm like, watch, and watch the French. Sorry, sorry. Less. I thought this was Debo's absurd after party. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so, anyways, there's a there's a there's a plaque of me on the wall. It was cool. And then I How go, I, I'm this in the picture. bathroom, and I look up, and there's a picture of Dad drag racing. And I'm like, dude, this bar is sick. I got to meet the owner of this guy. And then uh, obviously it ends up being Jeff Wright. So, um, more of the story is it's not a good one, but uh, I pretty much tell B10 he has to bring a jersey. I tell Bradshaw to show up. We got to go to the party. This is after you had done the pre-jump and everything yesterday. Yeah, I was like, I got a dang show tomorrow. I need the damn jersey. And, and, <laughs> and he's all, no, give me the jersey. You got to sign it to the bar. But you're leaving Gilmore. the track, leaving the track to come to Des Moines. You told yourself, don't do this. This is going to be a horrible idea. 100%. I consulted Wink about it. I was like, I should definitely stay here. I know what's going to happen. <laughs> and but we, no, I put the truck in part or in, you know, drive yeah. and was on my little merry way to Gilmore. <laughs> Life happens often. We're like, we're making videos and butthead look soft. I can promise you that. <laughs> so you go, you're at the Kung Fu bar. You show up and you have to give away your jersey. And yeah, you have to wear, you have to have a back Hey, sorry. He's like, dude, I brought, I'm racing on Sunday. I'm racing your series. I'm racing Sunday. He's like, I brought a set of gear for Saturday. And then I brought a set of gear for Sunday. I'm like, well, it looks like you don't got a set of jersey for Sunday because you're giving away this jersey because Kung Fu needs this jersey on the wall. And because uh, so he's a legend, we, we, we bring B10 here. He's a seven time X game gold medalist. Let's, let's hear this seven time gold medalist X game. Unbelievable. Okay. okay. I remember like in uh, the one year you and Carmichael battle and your, your shoulders falling out of McGrath. Oh, sorry. It's only McGrath. Yeah. Nice. And uh, I never Popping heard out of socket. Yeah. Uh, and he's punching the air to get it back in the socket. And they're going back around to do another jump with McGrath. That's him. And then he goes, wins gold. Yeah. That's pretty rad. Pretty sick. But uh, graph got so, me on that one. I got uh, He's not here. You won. Okay. <laughs> See, I told you he's my friend. <laughs> so we get V10 here, and then we're like, which uh, we call up our buddy Jason. We're like, hey, is Bradshaw coming to Kung Fu? Is he gonna make it? So Jeff Wright, he's a motocross fan, and uh, he's like, hey, I got, it. I got Bradshaw. I have Biden. I have like legends at this bar right now. Okay. And he's like, yeah, but where's that Denny Stevenson guy? Like, I remember back in the day in Albany, New York, I drove around in this box van. And Jeff has this crazy story of Albany, New York, of Denny in the back of this box van with Bud Man. I don't know where, how far you want to take this. I have no but idea. It's, it's a good story. I can go all the way with it. <laughs> Uh, uh, Bring her home, Cody. We'll, we'll just talk. We'll just talk. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, Ray Cross was insane, hey, obviously. I, I, I did that for six years. I think I remember about four races. And tell us how V10 and you met. 
Beats in and I yeah, give us a whole story too. Cause don't let them oh, give you the rated R or the rated PG story. Give us a full story exactly how you and Michelle met him. Let's just say I had a Smith deal <laughs> well, paying for a while. <laughs> my last year at Maria Cross was 02. And uh, I don't know if I told this story, I probably told it a hundred times. But uh, at the Denver Arena Cross, I'd gotten a fight, a huge fight. We got a huge fight in, in the pits. That's what you, that's kind of how you handled Arena Cross. If someone knocked you down, you went and tried to fight him in the pits. And Rusty Holland wouldn't, wouldn't come out of the truck because he knocked me down two weeks in a row while we were on the podium spot and took us both out. I mean, I'm a firm believer if you knock someone down, don't go down with them. So, anyways, we got a huge fight in the pits. Kawasaki barely let me finish the season. I had two rounds left. They fired my dad because my dad, all, all the pit guys were all fighting all the mechanics. <laughs> And my buddies uh, that I was with that said, uh, you know, we got a kid from Reno that's, uh, you know, great mechanic. He's kind of a budding freestyle guy, and uh, I think he'd be perfect. And I'm like, well, absolutely, bring him on. I never, I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounds perfect. So Biden shows up, and first time I meet him, he's he's now giving me my mechanic at uh, I think what Oakland round, Oakland. and Tacoma is the final one. Yeah. And the funny thing is, he's a skinny punk rock kid. He's now a lot less tattoos. <laughs> Um, but he has to wear the, you know, the team button-up shirt, and it is so starched out. He looked about as bad as I did in that Hawaiian shirt in Vegas. <laughs> Cody made me wear it. You know, we just became friends. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know what if it was Tacoma. I think it was Tacoma or uh, one of them. <laughs> oh, Some oh, reason, Oakland. One of the rounds, and uh, I had to, I had to get well. had to get in the truck to grab my bag or my backpack or something, and. Uh, Biden's got a girl now on one of the bikes. <laughs> and I'm like, man, we're going to be friends for a long time. <laughs> well, I just saw how he did it in all the videos and the Krusty videos, so I just want to do the same thing. <laughs> Don't call me up. Yeah. So you walk in and what's Beats Ed doing? I, I, he's putting the hammer down. <laughs> all I saw was... Hey, someone was bobbing for apples. Let's see. It was something good. It was, uh, it was like it's one of those moments you just like, man, and... and we went on to be friends, obviously. Uh, my sponsor, when I was at Smith, he went on to this huge success with the X Games, as, as Cody mentioned, beating the legend. Uh, he did, did you beat McGrath ever? Yeah, I next did, year. Uh, yeah, McGrath in uh, 06. And then, uh, before yeah, we come moving on to this party from last night, what is it like to drop from 40 feet in the air off uh, doing a step up? I mean, it's got to be the most violent act. Dude, it's, like, it's scary. Like, I was like literally like, I was all I cared about was clearing the bar. I don't even give a rat's about the landing and don't even think about it. And then I'm all, I clear the thing and I'm like, the bike's just looped out going ham. And I'm like, all right, I'm over the bar. And I'm all, oh, shh, Nike. Nike. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> man, I would just squeeze the bars and just flex my little chicken arms as hard as I could. And it was like, you know, it was like Chad hit me. Like it was the biggest black and white flash. Like you just went YMCA on your What's, what's the highest you went? What's that? 40, did you go 42 feet? I've cleared 46, six. 46 and a half. And feet. then I hit out in 47 and Renner cleared 47. Oh, Renner, he probably packed his line the whole time. Yeah, he, did. he had an electric start though, that yeah. helped. All the way up the gate, all the way up the face. Right. Sorry. Yeah, no, no we went pretty high. It's about. scary for sure. Um, that's yeah, a that's pretty a gnarly though. when you're down there in the hole staring at the wall and you're all like that and then you you smash your your little yeah, friends and then you, the bar's higher there's less people you got to turn around and you're you're woos on yourself to get yourself back in order yeah well i, I went a couple times you know i was at smith and i was at the games actually with you i was able to you know be on the ground with you to get your goggles set or whatever and uh and you are i look at that thing i'm like that is the most ominous thing i can't believe he's going to hit this thing and go another 30 feet above that yeah. Yeah. The best way to explain it is go stand under a telephone wire, look up, and see if you can dump, jump a dirt bike. Take thirty steps back because we get thirty feet from your rear end of your your rear tire, and then uh, 
Yeah, see if you can clear it. Just imagine that, you know, that's what it feels like. <laughs> was, it, was that worse than last night? You no, I'm getting nice older. Somebody. I'm 39 now. It ain't easy to keep up with Beavis here. Uh, but uh, we hang in there, man. We, we rough Damon up a little bit. Probably learned his lesson to hang out with Gilmore B10. I can guarantee that. I just yeah. want to know how you got the bike up the steps. Oh, like, yeah. Why? So <laughs> the, the girl, uh, what's his name? Uh, we Black. don't name the name yeah. names. Black. <laughs> uh, okay, so Black. <laughs> He was passed out. He couldn't push his bike in the garage. And so, Kay, she asked me, hey, can you help me push the bike in the garage? So I pushed the street bike in the garage and I'm all, what's up with that? Uh, 2001 why is it, or CR125. I don't know. I can't start it. I'm all, oh, man. I want to give it a whirl. <laughs> so we're, we're feeling pretty good. And, uh, you know, she fired right up, you know. And then I, I was so thinking. you're burning of, off in the garage. Yeah, I was point. thinking of old Metzger when he was in that. Him and Deegan did that skit. Yeah, with the half helmet. So then she happens to have a party room on the second floor. Well, we're in the on the third floor and we're in the garage and, you know, all the way at the bottom. Well, there's two flights of stairs. <laughs> so um, whose idea was it? Yours or Bradshaw's? Um, I think it was mine. I was like, well, there's a party room. I'm all, why isn't there a CR-125 in the party room? <laughs> Perfect explanation. Everybody should have a CR-125. If you got a party room, you need a CR-125 in there. Got to have the it. way I see it. So we got the CR-125 in there. Carried it up the steps. Two flights of steps. Yeah. Don't underestimate these chicken arms. <laughs> Bradshaw tried to. Had my assistant over there. <laughs> so you got it up into the party room area. Yeah. And then, uh. Proceed to start the bike. Yeah, we uh, we smoked that room out, opened all the windows up. Eyes <laughs> were burning. That was stupid. So and burn the tire off on our wood floors. Yeah, well, after the smoke cleared out, then as I hear the bike fire back up. That's Gilly. And it's Gilly. He <laughs> left a two foot wide, just smear mark burning it out. I'm like, dude, not in the house like that. Like fresh wood floors. Now fresh you now floors. decided to yeah yeah fresh. And then you fell over. Yeah, I think I broke my ankle on it too. <laughs> not like seriously, I have a bad ankle. A dirt bike in a, sitting in, in, in a, a family burnout. room doing a burnout. Doing a burnout. Uh, it's terrible. That's why these dirt bikes are stupid, man. I told you. And he had no idea how he did his ankle until he, he looked at his Snapchat this morning and saw his cankle get folded over. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's more to the story. The moral to the story is. Don't is more or out. moral? The moral. 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 Boy, tell us. I mean, uh, this has the moral be of the story is don't go out B10. Me, and you. Then, and then don't go to Vegas with B10. Definitely don't go to Vegas with Denny. I told you not to. And, yeah. Hey, Cody, tell that, tell everybody that uh, Vegas concert that oh, we went yeah. to, the Elton John concert. <laughs> tell, us, tell us the extent of that story. I don't even want to know. Who would have ever thought Gilmore and Biden would go to an Elton John concert? <laughs> but we did. Elton's Rocket Man, man. Yeah. Rocket Man. We were, we were singing a lot. Hey, you're hot. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, Elton. <laughs> What, what happened that night, Gilmore? Nothing. Oh, that was cool. Nothing, yeah. Good point to edit that one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think we're, we're editing, editing. We're editing the whole show. Um, this guy's going to invite you to stick around during the break, but um, I've, I've owned it, and I will own it again here on this particular broadcast. I was uh, a couple days early in Las Vegas myself, and I went to a Britney Spears concert. You have never I, seen I've so many drunk girls in I've your whole life. Oh my goodness sakes. It's Britney, bitch. It's Britney. Britney sounds fun. She's 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 a talented and, and just like Elton John, give you 110%. They understand the value of the ticket. 
Yeah. Matt Biden, our guest, along with uh, Cody Gilmore and the best of the Midwest weekend underway, along with our good friend Justin Brayton and the Brayton Shootout. You're listening to Denny Stevenson, Scott Casper. It's the combined broadcast of Absurd After Party. And then, of course, the exceedingly clean family version of the show. It's Pit Pass Butter Racing Weekly. Stay tuned. Back after this. Hi, this is Ed Morrill. You're listening to Pit Pass Radio. With the tremendous amount of horsepower and torque created by modern dirt bikes, today's racewear must withstand tremendous forces. It must breathe well, be lightweight and protective, yet still durable. Fly Racing created its Evolution 2.0 racewear to fulfill these requirements. Evolution 2.0 features the industry's first BOA closure system race pant designed to provide custom comfort, smooth, even closure, no pressure points, and simple one-handed adjustment. Add to that the Evolution 2.0 Pro Fit Advanced Ventilation Jersey and Premium Race Glove, and you have Generation Next Racewear, built to withstand the extreme conditions created by the modern dirt bike. For more information, visit flyracing.com. It's much more than a piston company. Wiseco now offers a full line of quality performance products, including forged pistons, precision forged clutch baskets and hubs, crankshafts, camshafts, forged connecting rods and valves. At Wiseco, we offer accessories for just about any motorcycle, ATV, snowmobile, personal watercraft, outboard marine engine, or automobile on the market today. After 70 years in the business, Wiseco has established a great reputation as a brand that can be trusted to deliver high quality performance products for power sports enthusiasts and professionals wiseco america's motor racing talk show pit pass motor racing weekly comes your way each sunday morning from 8 to 10 right here on des moines sports station 1460 kxno 1460 KXNO. If you're passionate about riding motorcycles both off-road and on, check out the full line of Yamaha Dual Sports at Hicklin Power Sports. The Yamaha TW200 features Yamaha's famous reliability, electric start, an ultra-low seat, and comfortable fat tires, making it one of the industry's simplest to ride motorcycles. The Yamaha XT250 offers the same ultra-dependable, user-friendly performance, but in a more versatile, powerful, and lighter weight package. And for riders who like to take their fun off-road more than on, there's the high-performance enduro-derived Yamaha WR250R, featuring long-travel suspension and advanced high-end design. Whatever your budget or riding style, Yamaha has a dual-sport model that's right for you. For more, visit YamahaMotorsports.com today. Then visit Hicklin Power Sports and Grimes to see the new 2017 models from Yamaha, the first name in dual sports. Dress properly for your ride with a helmet, eye protection, long sleeves, long pants, gloves, and boots. Do not drink and ride. It's illegal and dangerous. Time out. Drink Swell Vodka, proudly and carefully distilled and filtered in Iowa. Find Swell Vodka in fine stores, restaurants, and bars near you. Like Swell on Facebook. Hey, it's Chad Reed with Juju Motorsports. Hope you're all doing well. All right, welcome back. It is Pit Pass and Absurd. The combined broadcast. Denny, has the uh, program in any way, shape, or form let you and your expectations down. Well, it's a, it's a hell of a lot cleaner than I'm usually used to. Um, but I, you know, I, it's the, the chance, like I said earlier, to sit with Damon and, and Justin and Chad is, is, is timeless, you know, to get those four, those three in a room uh, with myself. Um, as soon as, like I said, Justin Brayton invited me to come do this. I, I was on it in a second. And then, you know, you can always tell race stories are fun, but you know, the chaos stories of, of, of I've always kind of, experience my life is kind of half of what my show is about and what I kind of like to do. And that's why 
I had to have these two guys here, you know, two of my best friends who uh, we burned up down a few hotel rooms in our day. And um, so it's been, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. I, I hope we can do this again sometime. Two hours is a little long, I have to admit. I run out of things to talk about, which is shocking because I talk all the time. But uh, it's great. I, I'm really happy. It, it sucks it's raining. I hope, uh, I know it's, it's, it's a lot of money's been put in this, a lot of time and effort. Um, I didn't realize it rained as well last year. Um, so let's hope, uh, let's, let's hope for pray for some dry weather. Is it still raining outside? I, I feel like I've been here since Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> it might be. It might be raining, but I don't think Tony Link cares. Because Tony play. Link will make it happen. That's what everybody says. He makes it happen. Like, I had some people ask me, you know, the beginning of the year, they're like, you know, we want to come to your series. Tell us. I'm like, well, Wink's race will rain. It's going to rain. And then it'll be the best track you've ever rode. There'll be ruts everywhere. It'll be awesome. The track looked amazing today. Wink makes it happen. Somehow, like, he has dealt with the worst cards ever. Every every Lerlin qualifier I've been to at Riverside Raceway, it's rain. Everything. Hence the name. And and, and he uh, <laughs> he makes it happen. I mean, how good, how good was the track today? B. Yeah, I went and spun a couple laps. It was yeah, awesome. Man. Some backflips. You went out there and did some motos. <laughs> yeah. Sweated yeah. out the the night. Yeah, motos were the hard is it's where I originated. So uh, backflips pay the bills. But um, yeah, no. So I brought my motorbike along in my uh, Stormlight Honda at that and. Um, yeah, I, I liked it, man. You had to coming out from out west. I'm from Reno, Nevada, and California, so hard pack stuff. So it's it's cool. I really like the challenge of you. You really got to search for lines and be creative to find some the better way around the track. So it's it. I thought it was fun. So I look forward to uh, getting muddy tomorrow and uh, seeing if I can uh, even finish the dang race. What class are you planning racing? I don't know. What are the options? <laughs> <laughs> nah, thirty plus. That's, that's an that's your answer for everything. Isn't it? <laughs> whatever, whatever. Reisenberg race is. I, I can see a moto going down. Yeah, it's I'm gonna, Reisenberg I'm versus Bob Price sure. versus Beaton. Yeah, I like that. Wait, where's Bob? Hey, is uh, is Husenberg in here? Husenberg's still here. Husenberg's gone. Yeah. Left. Well, I guess everyone's leaving us. Well, you guys better pick up the show. I mean, we're, we are pretty boring. Yeah. You were good today. Here, yeah. I'm glad. Go to I, I actually wanted to hear a lot more by Swab earlier. He, like, he has so many good stories. He was quiet. Gosh, quiet. he was pretty quiet. He was, very I was quiet. trying to pass him a few beers privately. Yeah, I, saw you know, I don't even did. know if we're supposed to have beers in here. No. But uh, <laughs> I don't think we are. But uh, I was trying to secretly pass Swap a few beers and be like, come on, Swap, start talking. I've heard some of these good stories. Yeah. You know, I know his wife and daughters are over there, but still, he had to have it. He has one. Justin was trying to get him to tell to do story. I'm like, where do you want to go more with this? And he's like, when we're off air, I go, let's. He's like, let's get Swap to tell more. I'm like, well, if we could just get him to loosen up a little bit. A little bit. He was like a little tight. Years. Like two he, years. I think he was just. Did you see him the way he got out of his chair? <laughs> I mean, he rode all day long. I mean, his hair is so long. He's a, he's, a he's bearded, trying to catch up to my dad. He's a bearded man. Yeah, he's. Uh, no. But I'm glad he came and awesome, uh, he, he he loves motocross. Like me, like I I love motocross, but I hate the riding aspect. Yeah. But he same. had so much fun today. Like I said, he jumped on his daughter's bike, mini bike, at one time and took down a few laps. Yeah. If he could yeah. get in class, we were sitting there and there's people coming up there like, hey, can you test our bike? And it was like already raining. And Swap's like, yeah, I can go out there. I'll test this. He's like, man, I can't I can't move, but I guess I'll go out. He's like, oh, I guess. So he's like on some beta like. Oh, he was 300 or whatever the heck these things are. I don't know. And he's out testing this like beta, beta whatever they are. And, anybody, and uh, at like three o'clock while it's raining. It was dumb. I, I texted him. That's where he was. I texted him saying, hey, we got food. Get your butt over here. Two hours later, he's like, where? I'm like, dude, we're on the way to pull position. He's like, I was, <laughs> I was doing motos. I think he rode six different bikes today. Yes. Swap's awesome. Considered though. neither Legend. one of us were out there. Legend. I just love that story of where you took him out and then you just tell the Des Moines, Iowa crowd. Like, who does that these days? 
well, you know, and here's a good story for everyone. My sponsor wasn't very happy. Uh, tell us about fans were happy. Hey, hey, tell us about when you got fired from uh, talking, talking on the uh, the the analyst, the analyst for Supercross. Uh, <laughs> ESPN, what I did, Supercross announcing in 06? Yes, yes. So you get fired. You get fired. Jeff Emig steals your job. Yeah, and and I'm like best friends with Jeff. Steals your job. And I call him like, what the? And And you send a a group email out. It was an accident. Before email was even. It was, I didn't realize so many people. Somehow Denny knows how to send a group email in 2000. It was not a group. It was like, it used to be considered a group thread because it was a group email. And I had gone out and had a couple beers after that. Margarita was around Thanksgiving. And uh, I proceeded to tell. <laughs> this is a good one. I was just, I was like, man, I, you know, I, I just wanted to thank my really good friend, best friend out there, Jeff Fennig, you know, and, uh, you know, I put a lot of hard work in there or something. And then, I, you know, if you feel like a stuttering idiot, it's, it's the man for you, then you got the job. <laughs> and Davey Coops <laughs> proceeded to like almost print the email on Racerhead one day because that's just Davey's style. <laughs> and I mean, it was not very nice, but, you know, we so grew you up. You sent it to Davey too. No, I didn't say it to Davey. Mm. No, when I. How, how does Davey get a hold of this email? <laughs> He was on the thread. Oh, okay. That's yeah, what I was so saying. That's yeah. even worse. Never put, but, but tell never us put about the, the Art Ekman or the Larry Myers. Like, didn't they call you out on Motor Art Ekman like called a, me out a, after hit and stop and said it was completely unprofessional. He should be fined ten thousand dollars. He should be law. He should be uh, suspended from the sport. And uh, and that's when he was doing Alec like, Motor World, I think. And so I wrote a letter to Cycle News, dear Art. <laughs> uh, you know, and I explained what I explained earlier. You know, by by when I broke my hand and I broke my leg. From <laughs> <laughs> And then later, uh, I years still later, alive. Years I ran yeah. into late. Years later, I ran into Art. Uh, he get Jim and Jim Holly walked into a strip club in Atlanta that we were in, and me and Art hashed it out over some beers and some strippers. Nice, <laughs> nice. That's a good story. If I can interrupt, but the question I think a lot of folks out here maybe wanted to ask her in our in our audience is um, most of your stories surrounding. Um, beer margaritas and strippers I don't drink beer. <laughs> you don't drink beer no. but it does 90s was a good time i mean we were very blessed to be able to uh, to have a, a season and a career and a we you know invented freestyle with crusty not me personally but the the the, the producers and the directors and uh you know from fro to mc to rhino to phil lawrence to uh you know to swap to myself to budman um we did it the way we wanted to do it we had fun doing it um I'm a firm believer in making every moment the best moment. You know, that's why I think I love you guys so much. Uh, you know, you cheated death, you know, and uh, uh, you are still touring at 39. And every time, you know, you're on a group, they're sending pictures, you're out fishing, you're out uh, everywhere you go, you make the best of it, you know, whether you're running a 125 up to the top of the stairs. But that's how I ran my career. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, the memories I have, and, I, you know, even going overseas, I always tell you about go overseas. If you got a chance, go, because the memory of that's going to make way more than what you missed at home or something, you know? So I, I've always lived that. And, and we were lucky to have an era of the nineties to be able to do that, where we weren't robots. Obviously I wasn't thanking tires all the time on a, on a, on a podium speech. And uh, we were just very blessed with a, a very unique situation and a, an explosion of, of timing with the, you know, with the, the crusties and then all the, the, the terra firma. 95%. Yeah. I mean, you could say anything, I mean, we were literally drinking beers, um, braiding pit bikes with, Budman and Fro and MCs, you know, that's uh, just living the time of our lives. And I'm not saying that the guys aren't today by winning, but they're getting, it seems like they're just really just out riding the bike, you know, which is great. I mean, if that's what, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fantastic. And, uh, but I think some, they're not always, I don't think they're always capitalizing to join the moments that sometimes are passing by. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I think Justin would tell us like, uh, 
firsthand, like coming, going, getting to travel to different countries and race your dirt bike and be a star. And, you know, Justin is one of the best ever, you know, of any of the whole, the, all the eras of going to different countries and racing. And being and successful winning, and, and killing winning, it. Yeah. And winning. Larry Ward he's, was a really good at that. He's well. won, I don't know if he was won the overall Paris, but I know he's won Knights. I know he's won Bercy and, you know, all that. Uh, and that's hard to do. in Australia. And that's really hard times. to do. He killed it in Geneva. You know, and uh, I bet you Justin would tell you probably some of his best times are going to overseas and and living life and and taking everything that you can and and enjoying the experience. And Absolutely. it's so easy to get sucked into like, you know, like for a while when I was starting to do a little bit better, you know, like and I'd come to you for a lot for opinions, you know, and it'd be like, well, hey, this uh, this country will fly us over for, you know, maybe like a few thousand start money, whatever. But I don't really want to leave the usa or whatever you know and it's easy to kind of get sucked in then you take a step back and you're like you know what why in the heck am i not jumping on all of these opportunities screw the usa screw go don't say that no but you know what i mean like well no the day it's screw he didn't mean it he didn't mean it no but you're wanting to put emphasis on vacation and go experience the world and experience it and race how many of our time other opportunities you get to do that it's, it's a cool thing and and for Justin to be so successful as he's been. And come back to those big monster cups, which you know are cool. We all think dude, are cool as hell. Well, I'd, I'd be like the check. Yeah. I'd like the check. Well, you got you got to go to South Africa. Uh, we've talked about this as well. Just, Brayton's over here talking about hundreds of thousands. I'm like, man, what I was made he $10, talking about? Did he, he started off with a million. Like we I all made ten thousand dollars. Chad and Damon looked at him like, what are you talking about? I made ten thousand dollars once, and they never paid me. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> we never, went, I made ten thousand. We go to the strip club in Vegas that next week, and we we spend all of my money. I'm like, it don't matter. I'm getting my I got ten thousand dollars from Africa this week. Like they're sending it right. He got second and got made ten grand. Never shows. Never sent it. Never shows up. So thank you, monster. Don't spend all your money at one place. That, yeah. that, that's a that's spread a it around a little right bit. There. That is a true story. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fellas, we are sadly up against the clock. We're going to come back and finish up uh, the second hour of Justin Braden. And a big shout-out to all of our guests today, uh, but uh, even more so to uh, to those folks that have sat here and listened and that tune in every single week to the Absurd After Party, Evo's uh, Absurd After Party podcast. All right, welcome back. It's the Justin Braden Shootout Weekend, uh, part of the Riverside Raceway. Uh, events, and we appreciate Justin Brayton joining us here from his home in uh, in beautiful uh, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina to be exact, and uh, also the best of the Midwest weekend as well with Cody Gilmore and company. Absurd After Party is a tremendous podcast. If you want to be totally entertained and just immerse yourself in all that is motor motorcycling and motocross, uh, we invite you to join Danny Stevenson and uh, and, and, and the great guests, incredible stories. Debo's absurd after party, look for it online. Also Pit Pass, wherever you get your podcast, you can look for us as well. 16 years and counting, they haven't kicked us off the air yet. Part of the Evergreen podcast system, also from the iHeart Studios in Des Moines, Iowa. Scott Casper with you. Denny, um, this is your opportunity, I think, just go one-on-one, -on -one, if you would, with, uh, with Justin, because it's not too often we get to talk with a guy who's absolutely climbed the ranks uh, of some very talented folks, but has just represented us very well. And you heard uh, 
Gilly talk about this, that he goes to foreign countries and knows how to race no matter where he goes. Yeah, um, that is such a cool thing, you know. What is your favorite country you've been to? Is it, that's a, it's a very cliche question, but, you know, we get to only hit so many. And a lot of times I, I realize that for a few times, all I was seeing was the airport and the hotel and, and the arena, not actually getting to go out there and, and see what was what was going on in, in the world. Um, besides that, what, what's where'd you get your best cup? Because I, I love those European <laughs> cups. I mean, the the world. European I, I have like a third are... one that I hang in my middle of my house and put lights on it. Yeah, the cups are awesome. I mean, the trophies over there are incredible. And um I would say my favorite country is Australia. It's it's kind of like a second home right now, right? I mean, it really is. Yeah, we spend a few months of the year there, and um, it's it's so similar to the U.S., but then it's so much different. If that makes sense, mainly because the, there's no language barrier. Uh, it's a it's a beach country, so basically everyone lives on the beach. Uh, the people are so nice; they they really like Americans. Where when you go to Europe, uh, if you ask somebody where a coffee shop is, you may not be able to understand them. Or if they hear your voice or your your accent or the way you talk, it's like uh, it's that way, and there, it's just a field that way. <laughs> so um, I, I would say Australia, but I cherish each and every one of my trips. Um, <clears throat> just a few years ago, uh, going back to the whole pressure thing and and all that, I I basically made a decision: either I'm done racing, I'm gonna retire from racing and, and be done, or I create my own program and do Supercross because that's what I enjoy. Motocross to me. It's awesome when you're in it. It's a grind. And now, basically, I was 31 years old or something at the time. Like, I want to create my own program to where I race Supercross around the world because there's so many Supercrosses, really, that I'd never been to. And uh, I'm friends with a lot of the promoters, and so that helps a lot with relationships over the years. But um, And that's what I did in Australia, uh, Geneva. I think I'm the only one to ever win uh, the Paris overall, the Geneva you overall. You were King of Bercy then, right? I yeah, yep. I was King of Bercy. Did you ever, uh, Prince? When uh, they didn't have that. There was only King. Only King. Yeah. I remember there was a few times yep. when Bowman had yeah, one. 125, yeah, I believe, and 250s, 250 yeah. when they had it at the time. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I was, I've was. i been, uh, I believe, all three European races in the same year I won. Uh, I'm the most or all-time uh, race winner or record for being King of Geneva. I won it for the fifth time last year. I was tied Damn. with uh, Villamin and Marvin Muskan, and I – beat them last year so that's pretty cool and honestly to see them names on those trophies like it's, it's amazing it's it? rj it's wardy it's uh bale, probably bradshaw yeah. bale mcgrath it's like and bursty to have my name on that forever that's super special and then to win uh the first ever to win three in a row in australia which that's super cool and in australia i get to take my family so i cherish those moments i mean at one point my Daughter. How far around the country of like, Australia, like where your where your trans or sender are living, like how far are your trips to each round? Uh, the furthest trip is like a three-hour flight. That's pretty nice. Yeah, and and that's only one. We can drive to two of them, and then the other one, like two-hour flights. How many rounds are, is it? It's only five rounds. One of the rounds is in New Zealand this year. Is that is that part of that Aug, Aus, Aug, Aussie X yeah. deal? Yeah, they have well, it's Australian Supercross Series, and then they have the Oz X Open, which is the last round. And then now there's a round in New Zealand. Uh, so, yeah, it's amazing. We raced in New Zealand last year. That was incredible. Last year we went, it was crazy, but we went uh, Australia to Paris, back to New Zealand, to Geneva. Like it was, I racked up so many miles last year. But it's, it's back to what you guys were saying, what Cody was saying. Like, I know I only get one shot at this deal, one, one life. We all get one life. How do you want to live it? 
and we all have that choice. And my choice is to live it up and take my family around the world. And my daughter's been to Australia. This will be her fourth time going. At one point, she had spent more time in Australia than she had in the U.S. And that's our show for today. Join us next week when the guys are back in the studio. You've been listening to Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly from the Pit Pass Radio Network. We'll see you next week. May I have your attention, please? Excuse me. Are you listening to me? Thank you. The preceding was an exclusive presentation of Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly, a division of Pit Pass Radio LC. Any use of this copyrighted material without the express written consent of Pit Pass Radio LC is strictly prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.